This podcast is brought to you by Most Valuable Podcasts, leading the league in podcasting entertainment. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, children of all ages. This is a Fast Break Podcast. I'm your host, Sean Anderson. Alongside me, as always, is Ricky Whitmer. What's up, what's up, guys? And Dave Oster. Hey, buddy. And today, on the Fast Break, we're going to be previewing the finals of the Eastern and Western Conference Finals. Then we're going to jump into our favorite segment, Wet Boys, Mm -hmm. and wrap it up with some Russell Westbrook talk. There's some rumors, some speculations. Uh, that NBA execs are saying that the Thunder should look into trading mm-hmm. Russell Westbrook, their star. But before we do that, let's do a little bit of housekeeping. Don't forget to check out mostvaluablepodcast.com. You can get Dave's pimpin' shirt over there. Oh, Dave, yeah, show that right. off right I am, there. I am rocking the merch today. If you want to check it out, go to mostvaluablepodcast.com and shop on our shop. It's the only shirt we got right now. But if you want to rep some MVP stuff, definitely pull out Dave's shirt. Then, also, if you're on iTunes, rate us five stars, both the Fast Break Podcast, not both, the Primetime <laughs> Podcast, the Onside Kick, the Rick and Johnny Podcast. And if you're watching us on YouTube, check out the Outcast. They just interviewed Danny Parkins. If you're a Bulls, Bears, White Sox, or Cubs fans, Danny Parkins from 670 Score sat down with Buzz and Juice. Well, sat down and then on also the called on I would like to think on the phone he was yeah. sitting down. Well, yeah, but he probably was on the, sitting down on the phone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and... and uh, he talked with Buzz and Juice, uh, and they did about a 44-minute segment over there. So definitely go check that out. And final thing is patreon.com slash podcast. I knew I was going to get it. Uh, if you want to become a patron and help support us in any way uh, monetarily, you can head over to patreon.com slash podcast. We have a $10 tier that allows you to be on a podcast monthly. You get to pick the topic. You get to drive the direction, um, and you get to call in on this phone over here. So check out patreon.com slash podcast for not only the $10 tier, but all the other cool stuff we have on there. Let's for you know, let's now get into. I am terrible today. Let's get into. It's just been one of those previews. weeks. It has been a ton of podcasts. This week. We did two and a half hours on the live uh-huh. lotto. Then I did the primetime uh-huh. podcast and a baseball segment. With you now yesterday. I know how Ricky feels. No, this week is insane because not only did we move, the Rick and Johnny's not on Sunday. It's tomorrow, Monday through Friday. I've been in the studio yeah. every night. Now you know how he feels. <laughs> he, he doesn't do any of this week shit, Sean. But real Bring quick, but real quick, level. he is. He's been doing this for like years now, so he's used to it. I'm the seasoned vet. I'm yeah. like LeBron, and he's like. Thank Terry Rosier or something. He Scary is LeBron. Terry. I am Ben Simmons. I'm not used to this game, right? And it's, it's, you're it's just proved. Dropping, you're just dropping the ball everywhere. Better comparison than uh, Scary yeah. Terry there. Yeah, probably. Uh, anyways, let's jump into the Eastern Conference Finals. We're talking about Scary Terry. Mm-hmm. We're talking about LeBron James. So let's talk about the guy who's been ruling the Eastern Conference and Boston, who's trying fist. to take him down. Uh, Eastern Conference Finals, again, the rematch from last year. The Cleveland Cavaliers and the Boston Celtics, Brad Stevens, Absolutely playing a masterful uh, series against Brett Brown and the 76ers, getting mm-hmm. his team without two starters in Kyrie Irving and Gordon Hayward here. And LeBron James, again, doing what LeBron James does, leading his team past the Raptors, past the Pacers, and getting to another Eastern Conference Finals. Let's look at it this way, boys. Who has the edge coming into the series? Is it Boston or is it LeBron? That's a tough it's one. LeBron. Like, come on. Well, I'm like, just saying. Well, I mean, Boston does have home court let, advantage. Let's put Boston it, does have the better coach in Brad Stevens. I just, I find it humor. Like, yes, there's things that are different. Like, although Boston coming into this series, it's almost the same thing as last year. Mm-hmm. No Isaiah Thomas last time without their main guy. This year they're without Kyrie and Gordon Hayward. They added that, but really never they had never him had the whole him. year. Yeah. But the thing is, they add a guy like Jay Tay. But also, yeah, you lost Kyrie Irving, but so did the Cavs because the Cavs had Kyrie last year. So there are different things, but this is a series where I feel like 
it's one where it's like I kind of want to root for the Celtics in this one, mm. but I don't think like I'm not going to go into it like it is. The, Raptor, the Raptors are going to beat the Cavs. Yeah, I was you gonna wrong. be the Chuck Locke like, on that one. I can't. I gotta go with Le- like I want to say LeBron's going to win it, but I want to root for the Celtics. I eight, do. I want to root hardcore for the Celtics. Eight straight years of being the Eastern Conference Finals, and eight straight years going to well, seven straight years going to the NBA Finals. Will that be stopped by Boston, Dave? I don't think so. I think LeBron James is just too LeBron Jamesy. Like he's just <laughs> too LeBron James. He's gotten better. Mm-hmm. How? How is he Benjamin buttoning the it league right got now? Better. I don't understand how this is working. But what I do understand is that I respect the hell out of Brad Stevens for what he's done. Um, I think that this is a team that has gone miles above all the expectations people had for them, mm-hmm. um, especially with the circumstances with injuries piling up as the year went on. Um, it's been incredible, and all it's proven to us is that, yes, Brad Stevens is a, is a world-class coach, and the LeBron James is probably by far, and I'm going to still say it's by far the best player in the NBA. Well, let's look at it this way, because I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you that LeBron James is the best coach, uh, best player in the NBA, and, and, and I don't think anyone's going to disagree with you that no, Brad, Stevens, myself on a ledge Brad Stevens is a top five coach, probably even a top three Some coach takes. in the NBA, um, even though he didn't get a coach of the year vote. Um, but looking at last year's performance, again, Ricky mentioned it, Isaiah Thomas was out for that. They really relied heavily on Marcus Smart to be the guy. Mm-hmm. They added Jason Tatum. Jalen Brown, even though he was a little banged up in that Philly series, was big throughout the season for the Celtics. Terry, uh, Scary Terry has been yeah. unreal for the Celtics in the past two series. You also have Al Horford, who's not only the He's most consistent the big man, yep. also a, a massive leader on the floor as well. Marcus Morris has been a good contributor. Uh, looking at the players on Boston, do you think they have a better shot this year compared to last year? Because also Brad Stevens saw what LeBron James could bring in the Eastern Conference mm-hmm. Finals last year. I'm going to say yeah, and the main reason, the two reasons why is Kyrie's not on the Cavs. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, the Celtics don't have him, but he's not on the Cavs, and that's taking away something that the Cavs had last year. And also, you mentioned J.T. He's brand new. He's been playing well for the Celtics. But really, Jalen Brown also. Like, yeah, he was here last year, but every single game came off the bench only averaged 12.6 minutes last year. This year he's averaging 32 minutes per game. Yeah, he started eight, came off the bench in a few of them, but really he's playing more minutes, he's seeing more time. So really I think it's Al Horford is the vet, and then what can J.T. and Jalen Brown do with the other cast of what can Celtics kind of filling in? Exactly, what can Brown do for you? Yeah, no, I, I agree with her. Yeah, I think that a lot of this team is... Honestly, it's young talent, but it has a veteran presence there to balance out. It's it's day and night versus what Philly did. Philly put the hands, put the ball in the hands of you know freshman sophomore players mm-hmm. who you know definitely their inexperience showed and it showed bright. And Brett Brown you know fell over himself basically with poor play calling for the situational uh, instances where it was just like you shouldn't roll with that. You know you shouldn't roll with that, but he's giving his young players a chance to uh, shoot themselves in the foot. Mm-hmm. And meanwhile, you have Brad Stevens coaching masterfully, setting up his young players to have a- excelling roles. Like They kind of continue to grow throughout these playoffs. You watch them lean heavier on the veterans in the first series mm-hmm. uh, against the Bucks, And then the second series against the 76ers, you watched more and more trust build up. And you watched Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown... Terry Rozier really contributed at a high level. Well, Al Horford kept the calm. And that's the one thing that I was thinking coming in, and I want to ask you guys, is when it comes down to, for me, I think like Cavs Celtics, vets versus youth. Because I look at the Celtics, mainly in their series with the 76ers, every time there was a big moment, like coming out of a timeout, Brad Stevens needed to call something, Mm -hmm. who did he go to? 
Al Horford. He went to the veteran presence on this team. Whereas you look at just the top four scorers in the playoffs for the Cavs, LeBron, yeah, he's the best player in the NBA right now, but he's got 14 years experience. K-Love's got nine years experience. Corver's got 14 years experience. JR's got 13 years experience. Like, will the better, now I'm not going to say better veterans, but the, yeah, better veteran presence for the Cavs really be the nail in the coffin and be the thing that boosts the Cavs over the Boston in the end. I mean, you mentioned Boston's youth. They still mm-hmm. are the youngest team in the mm-hmm. NBA playoffs, and that was with Philly mm-hmm. still in the playoffs as well. And this yeah. is a team that had the experience last year. You know, not JT, but most of the uh, Boston team does have playoff experience. Maybe not at the same minutes that they've been used to, right. but they still have those playoff experience. Um, I think that, you know, clearly it's just going to be not just the veterans, but it's just going to be LeBron versus the youth and how do they yeah. match up. Because you look at last year, you look at the five games that they played, all of game, all the games that Cleveland won, LeBron scored over 30 points, mm-hmm. and they won by 10. The <laughs> only game that they lost, he scored 11 points, and Boston won by 3. So clearly the blueprint should be for Boston, I don't think this is too crazy to say, you need to slow down LeBron James. Not too crazy of an idea, but it's going to be difficult, and we saw that because they couldn't do it for four other games last mm-hmm. year. However, it's just going to be... Jalen Brown, who had experience last year guarding LeBron, how does he do? Jason mm-hmm. Tatum has shown to be a really good defender throughout his his career so far. And also, you know, crazy enough, Marcus Morris is a physical uh, beast who, again, is very similar height-wise um, and has a decent amount of athleticism and has experience guarding LeBron James. Can those three do enough to take down LeBron James and at least slow him down? So that's mm-hmm. going to be the biggest question for me is, can you keep him under 30 points per game and then also... If you're able to do so, can you slow down those guys on the outside mm-hmm. like J.R. Smith and Kyle Korver? Um, and, and we know, again, like Marcus Smart will probably be say, able to do that at least to one of them. So I would put Smart on LeBron. Like you share really? LeBron with Jalen Brown and Smart. Yeah. Honestly, Marcus Smart is just ridiculously annoying defensively. There is nothing that man can't do to get at, to get at people. He's like He's that got, annoying fly that's just flying around your he head. He has incredible instincts with his hands going for the ball. He mm-hmm. knows exactly how to position himself. And I think the biggest thing... LeBron has to use his weight and his size to his advantage because I don't think that there's a big edge there as far as quickness. So I think that really it's going to come down to if you see the matchup where Smart's on him, he's going to try to work the low block uh, down on the low post and work his way up to the block. Mm-hmm. If it's Jalen Brown on him, he can try to match him up up high and try to like hit a runner. But well, that's it's, one it's very thing situation we, we saw last year was when LeBron had anybody really on him on Boston. Yeah. He just took him to the low block and just used his body and yeah. dominated him. That's why I'm thinking Marcus Morris is going to play at least a, a, a somewhat of a near, at least half of, of the possessions on LeBron yeah. just because of Marcus Morris's size. I know LeBron has the quickness over Marcus Morris, but again, at least physicality-wise, he's going to be able to slow that down. And then maybe on the perimeter, that's where Marcus Smart comes in yeah. because he does have that physicality, um, at least on the outside, to Solid possibly wingspan, pester yeah. uh, LeBron James. And I also think, again, you know, Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown, they have the athleticism to guard him one-on-one. Um, it just boils down to will they have enough experience to take down LeBron? Now, the question, again, I think we should bring it back to is LeBron, when they, again, this is a different team for Boston last year. This is a different team for Cleveland last year, but... Again, the kind of basics are the same. LeBron and K-Love, and then you have uh, Jalen Brown, Al Horford, Marcus Smart, uh, Terry Rozier as the guys for Boston. For Boston, So going back to uh, Boston, do they need to hold LeBron under 15 points, under 20 points to get wins like they needed to last year? Gonna... Or can they allow LeBron to maybe beat them, score near 30, and still pull out a win? 
I'm going to say 30 is the magic number, and the reason why I'm saying that is I'm going back. I'm completely ignoring the Raptor series, to be honest. I know that Dang. some people say, well, it, it's the nothing against well, no, 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 no. It's nothing against LeBronto, but mm-hmm. the mm-hmm. thing that I kind of feel about that series is LeBron played up for that one. Like, even in the regular season when they played the Raptors, yeah. they played up to basically say, I am beating you down just because I can't. Yeah, this other team beat me last week, but or beat me in the last game, but I am going to destroy you because you are not better than me. It's like that. You think you're the one seed, so you're better than us? Mm -hmm. Yeah, let's see how that works out for you in the postseason. And then it's 4-0. And that's why I go back to the Pacers series. And in that series, game one, LeBron scores 24, the Cavs lose that game. Game two, LeBron scores, what, 46. They win that game. The next game, he scores 28. They lose that game. The next one, he scores over 30. They win. The next one, he scores over 30 at 44. They win. Then he has 22. They lose. And then game 70 at 42, and they won. Now, Mm -hmm. some of those were questionable defensive like questionable defensive positions that hey maybe yep. Nate McMillan should have had his guys with better defense that is why i think if the Celtics kind of not mirror but take some things that Indy did Indy has the lesser coach and that's not against McMillan lesser coach than Boston has because Brad Stevens will have those guys in better defensive situations to guard a final shot and one thing i do want to throw in there i know you were taking out the Toronto mm-hmm. series but i say you can even throw that in there for yeah. the 30 magic number because you look at the game where he scored 26 uh, LeBron, mm-hmm. they only won by one point. Yeah, like I mean, was that, that wasn't a crazy one? thing. No, it was a uh, game. Uh, it was game one. Yeah, because game, game one. Because game one also one had point. the anomaly. The anomaly where the Raptors missed eleven of their final shots. Yeah, yeah well, and was... LeBron only went one for six in yeah. the, from the free throw line there too. And then also the last game, mm-hmm. he just scored one point. He scored twenty nine points, so just under thirty. But also mm-hmm. that the Cleveland didn't miss in that in that game. So that's one thing that's definitely going to play into a factor here. Um, so again, I think thirty is probably the magic number. Yeah. But will they be able to do that, Dave? I mean, yeah, do they that's... do they have? I mean, does Brad Stevens can he implement a defensive game plan where he can slow down LeBron? Because last year he was able to do it for one game. LeBron had an off night. Will they be able to get enough off nights from LeBron to really pull out a series? I think a lot of this is going to depend on the op. It's the opposite. If you can slow down the rest of his team to an extent then it forces LeBron into taking worse shots and having worse shooting percentages, I mean, higher usage. Like, it turns into, you're trying, I don't want to say you Patriots this one, where you take away their number two in K-Love, mm-hmm. someone who is known to fluctuate. Right now he's incredibly hot. Mm-hmm. He was incredibly cold before that. If you knock K-Love down to the point where you shut him down game one mm-hmm. and you feel like LeBron has nowhere else to turn with the ball, then you start making LeBron make poor decisions. That's how you can actually beat this team because physically they can't match up to LeBron James. They might hold him to 25 or something, 30. But at the end of the day, LeBron's going to get his. Mm-hmm. I don't I don't foresee another 11-point LeBron game. I don't yeah. think that's going to happen. I think you need to attack his support because that is the weakest link on this Cleveland team. If you can knock K-Love down and be physical with him, Aaron Baines sure as hell can be. Mm-hmm. He's someone who I would have... Uh, on K-Love, same with Horford. I think both those guys in combination can work really well. And on that outside, like I said, if Marcus Smart's not on LeBron, if you have him trailing around uh, Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith, uh, one of their wings who is just jacking up threes all game, 
you're going to create problems for LeBron because his normally open looks mm-hmm. won't be as open. I'm going to go first, Ricky, and, and I just want to throw this out there. The reason why I'm not bringing in regular season mm-hmm. into this because uh, the the games that they played against each other, mm-hmm. there was one where uh, LeBron had his, the current squad that he does, mm-hmm. right? Um, and but even in that game, Kyrie was playing for Boston. So mm-hmm. there has never been a game where these well, lineups these, have okay, been out there. Okay. Well, so that's one thing where you know, no even, though Le, yeah. even though LeBron you know had, uh, again, compared to his season averages, mm-hmm. a, a worse season average in the three games against Boston, 24 mm-hmm. points, shot 53% from the field, around 25% from three. You really still can't look at that because yeah. it's completely different well, teams. Do... And the one game where they did have everybody on that mm-hmm. Cleveland squad, they won 121-98. to 98. So they, they, they beat up Boston. Out. I don't yeah, know. Bad. I'll kind of do one better. And the reason why is I'm not going to use regular season. The thing that I look at is, and to me, the last thing that I got to bring into this is Brad Stevens. He is, I know he's not a player, but he is the most valuable player, coach, whatever like whatever acronym you want to use, he's the most valuable person to this MVP. Celtics team. And the reason why I say that is, look at the series they just played. And I'm just looking at game one. And the reason why I'm looking at that is the Celtics have a similar situation that they did coming into the 76er um, series. The 76ers, they had a five-game series in round one against the Heat, Their last game was on April 24th. They didn't play Boston until April 30th. Well-rested, coming in. Then you got the Celtics. They go ahead. They play a grueling seven-game series against Giannis and the Bucs. April 28th, they beat the Bucs in Game 7. Two days later, they've got to go home to play Philadelphia for the next series. Mm. And they come out in that one. Al Horford has 26. Tatum has 28. Uh, scary Terry is 29. That's what I feel like they could they add that to the game plan. Do what Dave says. Maybe shut down, try to shut down K-Love so LeBron has to do it all on his own. And if they get a tw- at least 25 performance out of three players, good luck LeBron trying to beat us on your own. We'll let you score 46 while three of our guys score 25 each. Well, I mean, it, mm. one thing, too, going back <laughs> But can you do that four <laughs> times say, against LeBron? Yeah. That's the it's thing. LeBron. But, again, that comes down to also defense. Like, mm-hmm. are they going to— Will Cleveland have a strong enough defense? Because, I mean, again, they shut well, down Kyle Lowry and DeMar Rosen. four on five because he's back on the other end just kind of lollygagging. Okay, that was like one play. I know. Like, I still yeah. get The guy's been playing the most minutes in, in this whole entire season. He's 33 <laughs> still, years old. Still got to give him yeah, shit about Yeah, I know. Sean. If they lost the series— then that would have been a huge play. But he said they lost they won, series. They won the series. And I know. Then they I know they ran won through LeBron. Oh, I know. So I, I don't. I don't care about that Pacers, one play. Though. Um, no. Well, yeah, and they, but you could also bring up the whole goaltending mm-hmm. uh, play as oh, well, where that should have been goaltending. And there they was come a lot back, of things come back in that series, three. but point is yeah. they moved on. Yeah, they moved on. Yeah. So that's I why I don't care about that that play. I think my concern for the Celtics team is you look at them, and I'm going to be honest. I know I'm probably going to eat some shit from Celtics fans, but. This series, uh, the one they came out of against the 76ers, was determined entirely by turnovers and self-made mistakes, or, or forced mistakes, from this Boston Celtics team. Mm-hmm. The 76ers shot awfully on unguarded threes, and by unguarded mm-hmm. I mean within a uh, defender within four feet of the uh, shooter. They had a terrible shooting percentage from the outside, uncharacteristic of their team and of their players. They had a lot of uh, unforced errors. And yes, Boston played good defense. These are number one, number two defensive teams mm-hmm. in the league during the regular season. Uh, I still think that you have to come out of the series and going, 
yes, they played really well, but at the same time, they won because the other team lost. Well, not because I mean, they played miles ahead of the, the other one, team. The one thing I want to throw into that, although I don't completely disagree, the thing I'm going to throw in is with the whole Boston 76er series, mm-hmm. I feel like Brad Stevens outcoached Brett Brown. Where oh, not it was even like, close. Where it was oh. like... Brad no, Stevens yeah. was I mean, putting his players in for... all the right spots, and it's Brett like, Brown's lucky that he it's like, have... wait, Brett Brown, you had six games to get ready for this team, and this is what you People put out were, there. Were calling for Brett Brown to get oh, fired. Oh, I know they were talking I mean, about today on first The fact take. that he yoinked TJ McConnell out mm-hmm. of a game when TJ was plus eighteen and Ben Simmons was negative like three at the time, mm-hmm. and you're like, yeah, Ben's gonna take us home on this one after TJ brought us back. So you saying that you know Brad Stevens outcoached Brett Brown is like saying the sky's blue. I know. Like yeah. I know. Is but that, outcoach, to you know, me, anybody. that played a huge anybody. like implication on this series as well. No, I, I just think yeah. that yes, coaching is is critical, mm-hmm. and that's definitely the reason why the Celtics team has been so empowered to get it done during this playoff run. But at the same time, I look at that and I go, you eked by Giannis, mm-hmm. who is a worse version of LeBron James. Mm-hmm. You eked by well, Ben Simmons, who is a worse version of LeBron James. I'm not yeah, saying exactly, I mean, it, yeah. but they've had problems. Two LeBrons who can't shoot. Yeah, two LeBrons who can't shoot, and you eked by both of them. Yeah. So and I know four one eked whatever. But watch I mean, the games, a, watch how the games rolled out. An overtime, uh, an overtime lo- uh, win in Philly that again you know was very iffy. You know, uh, Marco if he's a foot back, that's a game winner. Mm-hmm. Uh, Embiid throwing the ball away, not hustling. Yeah, I mean, uh, there was a couple missed shots at the end of the game, and then also that last game. I mean, even look at the last play. I mean, Ben Simmons just threw the ball. Out like of I said, there's 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 so many situations where I feel like yes, you outcoach them, but at the same time. You are not miles ahead of them. Well, people are shocked you won the series. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. You're walking away like, holy shit, Brad Stevens is a great coach because we were all hyping up. The media, us, like everyone was hyping up as Philly to be the team to take down. I had them in my finals. Yeah, everyone was hyping them up to be the next great team. Mm -hmm. And then they came out and just showed their experience. Here's the thing I want to throw out. And this is the implication of what I think Boston can do in this series, even if they lose the series. If, to me, they take Cleveland to six, let's say Cleveland wins in six, and then Cleveland goes on, plays Warriors, Rockets, whoever, but loses in the finals. What I think that that may do, in my mind, yet again, we've said it before, I don't know LeBron personally, but if I'm LeBron, I'm sitting there going, oh, shit, I didn't win the finals, so there's that, and this Celtic team took this team to six, and they're getting Kyrie and Gordon Hayward back next year. Maybe I need to go somewhere else. Maybe my maybe team they, needs to reload on maybe, talent for the third maybe they year. Maybe they play into a situation where LeBron goes to a Philly, goes to a Houston, because he feels, man, this Boston, to team Boston team took us to six, and they didn't even have Kyrie or Gordon Hayward He should just bo- join Boston. I'm, oh, yeah, Kyrie would love it, man. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm, I'm not talking LeBron free agency. This is strictly an <laughs> I'm Eastern just Conference saying, pl- Just preview. wanted to throw Thank it out you, there. That's the implication well, that the Celtics can have. That's what they do. All right, let's, 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 let's get down to predictions and, mm-hmm. and how, uh, how each team can win. So, Dave, give me a key to each team winning. Uh, so, for Cleveland, what does Cleveland need to do to win? What does Boston need to do to win? Um, and then give me an X factor, and, we'll, and I'll go to Ricky for the same questions, and then we'll do predictions for the games. So, uh, what does Cleveland need to do to win? What does Boston need to do to win? And then uh, X factor for player wise or coaching wise. All right, uh, Cleveland's key to victory in this series is going to be guess what, LeBron James. It's, it's LeBron James controlling the ball, um, and honestly, I think it's pace. I think if he gets them going at the right pace, uh, this Boston team is known to let teams go on runs. And that is something you need to be careful. Brad Stevens is excellent at calling timeout, managing the clock, mm-hmm. managing the momentum of the game. 
but when LeBron James gets intense, he can score, you know, 15 out of the out of Cleveland's 16 points. He can do that anytime like a switch flips. So, I think if he knows the momentum and he feels the pace of the game, he knows how to take advantage of that and a young team can be easily swayed by momentum and that's something that Al Horford has to stop, something that Brad Stevens has to stop because if it gets going bad early, I don't know if this is a team, and I know this is a team who's come back from ridiculous mm-hmm. turnarounds in like the third quarter, fourth, but mm. that's what I would be afraid of. I think that's how uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers can win it with LeBron controlling momentum. Boston wins it by locking down K-Love and a secondary shooter, whether it's J.R. Corbett, whichever one's hotter. I think that's the key because you can slow LeBron. You can't stop LeBron. Just admit it. Like There's no LeBron stopper in the league. It doesn't exist. But what you can do is take K-Love, who, like I said earlier, is is a heavy uh, chance of being excellent or a high chance of being completely unproductive and looking disappointed on the floor. So if you can knock him down game one, game two, knock him out of the series, basically. I mean, be physical with him. You have Aaron Baines. You have Al Horford to play him low on the block. You can keep control on him. So I think if you take him out and cover one of those shooters, then you have a really good chance of limiting LeBron's looks and limiting uh, the ability to get those wide-open threes and the momentum plays, honestly, as far as fast breaks are concerned. Slow that down, you got a chance. Mm. It's LeBron. It's You can't stop him. You can only hope to contain him. And for me, I feel this series is going to be... It's what I think it's going to be and what I'm hoping it'll be an ultimate chess match between LeBron and Brad Stevens. Not Ty Lue and Brad Stevens. LeBron mm. and Brad Stevens. Like, they are going to be the ones, LeBron controlling the pace, maybe trying to slow the game down at points. Maybe Boston wants to run with it. Or if the Cavs start running with it, Brad Stevens calling the timeouts like Dave mentioned. I think this mm-hmm. is going to be a game where Brad Stevens, I'm going to put my players in the best situation, and LeBron, I'm going to put my team in the best situation, and it's going to be that chess match between Coach, best coach right now and best player right now. Who's the X factor for either in, in the series? Who's the biggest X factor? I'm gonna go. I'll go players with this one. I'll go LeBron for Cleveland, and then I'm gonna go JT for Boston. Can can the two stars of the team be X factors? That's, that's interesting mm-hmm. picks there. Uh, biggest biggest key for uh, the Cleveland Cavaliers and just again LeBron James. Um, it's just gonna be uh, the assist to turnover ratio. Mm-hmm. You look at Ben Simmons, what he did in that Boston series. It averaged 6.4 assists per game and turned the ball over about five times per mm-hmm. game. So I mean that's to turnover ratio that's yep. about like I don't know like very close to a little over one right there LeBron throughout this uh, playoff run has been uh, assist to turnover ratio about 2.9 um, so if he's able to keep that you know spread apart if he's a, you know able to keep it at nine assists per game three turnovers per game I think that's going to be a massive key for Cleveland especially early on in the season, series if they're able to get two games off of off of Boston that's going to be huge um, for Boston at least team wise I think it's just going to boil down to um, can they sh- slow down LeBron force those turnovers and then just come back on offense and start blasting that Cleveland defense and if they're able to weaken that Cleveland defense like we saw early in the season early mm-hmm. when this team came together then that will uh, afford the advantage to win the game Biggest X factor, I think, for both teams is going to be, uh, weirdly enough, Rodney Hood coming off and providing bench scoring for Cleveland is going to be massive. We saw what he did in that first game. Uh, He had a massive game, him and Jordan Clarkson. Those two, I think, coming off the bench, if they were to provide bench scoring for Cleveland, is going to be absolutely huge. Now let's go real quick on this one. Predictions for the Eastern Conference Finals. Dave, who you got? I've got uh, LeBron in five. Five. Same as last year. I am going to be the biggest Celtic fan this series, but I'm going to go Cavs in seven. And uh, I already bet my car, so I can't do it, but I'll, I'll say sweep. LeBron James in four. Uh, might 
come back to bite me. But I, again, I, it's it's LeBron James. I'm being bold. I'm being bold with the seven, but I can't pick against the Cavs. Fair it's, enough. That's the thing. It's like I, I can't pick against the Cavs. So if I'm just going to pick the Cavs, yeah, then I don't think they're yeah. going to lose. I mean, even though Boston has great talent, Boston has the better coach, Boston is going to have home court advantage. I look at it this way. If Indy, can, if Indy could bring LeBron to seven games, a better talented Boston team with a better coach can do the same. But also, I mean, you could say the same thing about Toronto. Toronto was more talented than Indiana. Toronto had a better coach. LeBron and, played up for that, though. And you don't I think LeBron's going to play up to you don't think LeBron, yeah, jump exactly. all over Kyrie's team? The one um, he jumped LeBron's to? Hey, Kyrie right might not, Kyrie's not out there. So we'll see how that. I don't kind know. Of, I don't think I he think, has Hassan Whiteside performance issues. I think. Well, not that, but I think that there was <laughs> a little extra oomph into it for Toronto. Fair enough. But, I, I think you guys mentioned coaching, and that's the one note I want to drop out on my end. Is just uh, there was a quote from Doc Rivers a while back. It was on Reddit, and it was basically bringing Doc into the for, into the Celtic fold. <laughs> uh, when LeBron was in Cleveland, he was just playing basketball. When he got to Miami, he's calling out plays. He's staring over our bench. He's reading stuff. I remember mm. him saying, "This is not good. This is not good." <laughs> <laughs> like that's just that just sums up. LeBron has a mind for the game, mm-hmm. and while Brad Stevens is the best coach on the sideline, LeBron is a coach on the floor. Ultimate mm-hmm. chess match. He's telling people on the other team what they should be doing. Anyways, let us know what you think of this matchup down in the comments below. Maybe a sweep is a little too mean towards Boston, but I'm gonna pick it anyways. Uh, let us know who you got in this series. Let's jump into the next topic, and that is the Western Conference Finals preview. We have the Houston Rockets taking on the Golden State Warriors. Some uh, say the real championship. I was about to say a matchup no one ever expected. I, I doubt <laughs> anyone believed these two teams would make Stars it to the Western Conference Finals. <laughs> pretty special. Yeah, very, very important that these two teams, uh, two underdogs, uh, yeah. made it to the Western Conference Finals, and we, we were very excited uh, for this matchup. Obviously, we know the story. We know what's going on. These are the two super teams um, right now in the NBA. Um, you know, obviously Cleveland has LeBron James, but I mean, this, these two teams have been absolutely dominant uh, over the past couple of years in, in the NBA, and especially this year. The Rockets just came out and showed that they were unstoppable with Chris mm-hmm. Paul, James Harden, Clint Capella when they were all on the court. Even when they were off the court, they were still dominant. And we know the Warriors, what they can bring when healthy. Steph Curry, Kevin Durant, Draymond Green, uh, Clay Thompson, also Andre Lividala, Iguodala, and Sean Sh- Sh- Livingdala. I can't split them apart anymore. Just say Chandra Livingdala. Chandra Livingdala. It's way easier. It rolls off the tongue. <laughs> uh, we know what these two teams can bring. Steve Kerr versus Mike Tantoni. What is going to be the biggest key for the Rockets in this one? Because they are pretty much the underdog, even mm-hmm. though they had a better, had the better record. I mean, this is a team that hasn't won you know two straight championships, right? No, one straight champ, one straight championship, and then. Uh, Two in the past three years. Mm-hmm. I always forget about the one whole straight thing. championship is not one straight championship. That's that's a new one to me. Um, I, I always feel like it's been two years. <laughs> like it's felt so so long since the the three one comeback. Uh, for me, the key for this Rockets team is all about pace and space. Like that's that's their goal. That's what they've done. They built a team of wing players, uh, surrounded Chris Paul and James Harden with a bunch of fantastically versatile uh, wings who can shoot the three, who can play uh, now a little bit of mid range. And then excellent uh, finishing skills. The the thing that kind of scares me is James Harden really struggled from the three-point line against the Jazz. Uh, in those last three games, one of seven, one of seven, two of eight, really really starting to make me a little concerned because, yes, he was ne- he was never a knockdown three-point shooter. He, mm-hmm. he was a league average kind of guy, which he's not shooting right now. So that's a, that's a bit concerning to me um, because if he can be shut down by – worst defenders i'm gonna be honest worst defenders then yeah, then uh, he can get shut down by clay and kd yeah that clay kd even Steph or like, andrea godala well i mean yeah and the stat that i got this from get up today mm-hmm. during the entire season and i might be a little off but you'll get the point mm-hmm. against steph this year when it was uh rockets warriors 
Harden was like four of eight, so five hundred. The rest of the team combined was two of thirteen from beyond the arc. Yeah, I mean that team locks down defense, mm-hmm. and that so for me, it, it's Harden needs to be on it. Like the Rockets can only win this if they get James Harden actually playing at the full level he should be mm-hmm. um, at the MVP level that we expect him because mm-hmm. Chris Paul bailed his ass out yeah. in this last series. Like this, well, Chris this, Paul didn't want to go home after round two again. <laughs> he was you, uh, you after being up three one. He goes, ah, oh, we know how this shit turns out. We're gonna win this. Yikes. I mean, one, one thing though. I mean, and I think Ricky, you just brought it up, but against Golden State in the two games that James Harden did mm-hmm. play, shot forty six percent from the field, fifty percent from three. He did have a rough time from the free throw line, sixty six point seven percent, but he averaged uh, around twenty four point five points per game, nine and a half assists and, and four rebounds. So he has had success this yes. year against Golden State. James Harden has so he needs to continue that success but like you mentioned he had a rough go against the Jazz Ricky again do you think that Chris Paul will take enough off of James Harden to open him up on the outside I feel like he might it'll be interesting how the Warriors play their defensive pairings but for me it has nothing to do with the players on the actual court the best friend to the Rockets is that they have home court advantage for really think about it for the first time in this Warrior dynasty they don't have home court in the Western Conference playoffs. This is the first time we will see a Warriors team game one on the road. If this was like, and I totally agree with, I think it was Jalen Rose who said it on Get Up this morning. Mm-hmm. He said, if this game was in, if this game one was in Golden State, he's like, I'd be picking a 4 0 sweep for the Warriors. Yeah. But just because the first two are in Houston, that is something Houston can come in, get that crowd behind them. They steal a game one. They steal a game two. And I'm saying steal because to it's me, home court the Warriors. It's stealing it. Well, and really, well, it's because if you lose one of those games, the Warriors flipped home court right back. So, like, then it plays into a thing where the Rockets, do you have to jump out 0 2? Because, A, if the Warriors win one of these at home, well, they just took home court back and you could lose it in then six. Do so you think they pressure. need to jump out right away? Uh, I think they need to. I think game one is incredibly pivotal. Mm-hmm. I agree with uh, Jalen, Jalen and Ricky. I think that to get up podcast. I love. <laughs> look, can we just agree that get up is the I best thing to happen to ESPN in a long time? I love it. It's fantastic. I haven't watched. It's it's really good. Well, um, it's, I'm out. Of, I'm out up. Beetle. It's greeny and it's fucking Jalen. I'm not getting up that early. <laughs> yeah, sorry. I don't, I don't have a job. I don't have a. I don't have school. I'm not getting up that early. We, call, we you, love them. Um, YouTube I, think, I, think, I think Jalen loves us. Jalen's a huge fan. But for the podcast, he he might have a T-shirt. He does. Big fan. But I think I think it's it's incredibly critical because. Honestly, after watching, uh, after Steph Curry returned to that Golden State team, like it took me about thirty seconds to realize, oh fuck! Mm-hmm. Like <laughs> I, I didn't forget how good he was. Yeah. I forgot how good the team moved with him on mm-hmm. the court because it's just different. It's you just know what's completely no other team fun? Does. Going back to listening to our Pelicans Warrior podcast, yeah. oh, God. and me I was and optimistic. My, like no, you were optimistic, but me and my like while I'm watching it, my shit eating grin. Oh, like yeah. I was spot on. The only time in like history that I was almost completely spot on. <laughs> Good for you. Ricky. The only thing I got wrong is I said three wins, one loss, and then a win. It what? was two, one, two. I think he also guaranteed that Steph would yeah, play game one. Yeah, but yep. he didn't. Yeah, I still he, won. he did not. Um, but point being. It's it's going to be incredibly hard, but Chris Paul is the guy you want to guard mm-hmm. Steph. If anyone can slow him down, Chris Paul is. He he's been the ultimate point guard for the last decade plus. But I what mean, if they roll with the Hampton Five, Dave? I I love the nickname. Can I just say that? Like I love the Hampton Five nickname. Remember, I think Steve it's Kerr didn't come up with it. The no, media guys. Did. The media guys did, and they were right to do so. It's hilarious. Well, let's bring it back because uh, when James Harden was on the floor. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, 
Houston was undefeated. They were 2-0 against Golden State. The one game he didn't play, they did lose by 10 points. So how much are you going to be taking in the regular season games into account of what happened? Because, I mean, again, you were saying zero, but, again, this is when they were going up full strength. Mm-hmm. Steph played in the last game that yeah. they did have, played 36 minutes. Kevin Durant played 35. Draymond played 35. Clay played 36. Mm-hmm. Um, same with Chris Paul, James Harden, Clint Capella. The only, and even Trevor Reza didn't play. Gerald Green didn't play. Um, so, I mean, so they, they went easy they, on And they still won. Yeah, I mean, they in, still won 116 108, and that was in Houston. Are you going to take in any Sean, of that? Sean, this is going to sound really mean. I don't mean anything against you. You just wasted a lot of oxygen there. Because the reason why we look at this Warrior team, first off, after they won the 70 whatever games, they realized the regular season don't matter. Whatever. No respect to the well, team that beat out the Bulls. I but, can't remember but, I mean, this the is, this exact is a, 73, right? But, was but that in, that, in that point, real but, quick, in that game. But no, no, no. Real, the last point is this was a team that. We looked in the regular season, wow, they look so disinterested. What's going to happen? Oh, shit, they turned it on for the playoffs. That's why the regular season— They have like, lost eh. two games in the playoffs, which is two more games than they lost no, last year. No, they have, but overall, have you not seen a much more focused Warrior team in the playoff compared to what we were talking about in the regular season? Regular season, regular season, yes. Regular season, we were hearing, oh, does this team even care? How are they going to do in the playoffs? And then they jump out 3-0. They but jump out 2-0 against this, the Pelicans. But that's, that's the thing is, I mean, even at that at that point in the season mm-hmm. on, on January 20th, which was the last matchup that they had, or uh, one of the last matchups, I think that was the last matchup they had, um, the last matchup they had, Golden State still had the lead on them. They were yeah. 37 to 10 to compared to 32 and 12, and then that was the, that started a two game win streak. But then balled into a four game win streak. Then they lost into New Orleans, and then mm-hmm. they had that record setting run where they went won 17 straight, 18 straight, something like that. I mean, that mm-hmm. was that was really what sparked that lead. Mm-hmm. Now for Houston, so I mean, that was something where that was a pivotal game. That's where Golden State it's needed a, to care. It's a bigger and they deal went out for Houston. Lost. It's a bigger deal for Houston than it is Golden State. Well, doesn't State. doesn't that at least give them momentum and confidence that hey, we beat these guys? I think confidence two, two is there, yeah. when we when we were fully healthy and we beat them to start our run to take home court advantage. And even that game back on January twentieth, that was in Houston. And this is going to be a Houston, a fired up Houston crowd mm-hmm. that again has the momentum on their side for beating Golden State two times. In the regular season, I think you have to take it in, into account a, a little bit. Maybe you don't take exactly what happened in those games, but mm-hmm. at least the outcomes, because again, that outcome is lead to a ton of confidence. Yeah. How much do you think confidence is going to play into this, Dave? Massively, because that's that's one of the killer things. Like I think they go in knowing that yes, we're going up against the world champs. Yes, you 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 have to respect the hell out of the Golden State Warriors, but at the same time, you can't be afraid of them. You can't play cautiously against this Golden State team because their team they can just turn it on a dime. And wreck your seat, wreck your season, wreck your game, wreck your mm-hmm. series, like everything over. Because what they have is so incredibly unique. Being able to roll out four all stars, you can't take that for granted. You have to play aggressive. You have to play uh, your style of basketball that you've been doing all year. I think if they get worried and get too wrapped up in matchups and everything, that's their downfall. This is a team that plays best when they're rolling hot, when they're going in and taking shots with twenty. You know, 19 seconds left on the mm-hmm. shot clock because guess what? That's what got them here. Play the game that got you here. Don't make too well, many adjustments based off of perceived, you know, cautions. The one thing, though, I do want to throw out there mm-hmm. is because I, I think it, last year what played so much into Golden State's success was the confidence they had and the idea that they weren't going to lose to anybody. And yeah. you look at that first game. Uh, against Cleveland, where, where uh, Kevin Durant comes out and scores 38 points, uh, shoots 53% from three, 50% from uh, 50% from three, 43, 53% from the field, mm-hmm. and beats LeBron James, yeah. and, and and takes and takes game one. 
having that confidence just led to the role that Golden State went on. And I think having confidence against Golden State is going to be something massive. It's not saying that LeBron didn't, but again, there had to be some fear or some hesitation saying, all right, we're going up against a team that we had to fight and claw mm-hmm. back from last year, and they just added Kevin Durant, who's pretty much the second-best player in the league right behind me. And Kevin Durant comes out and pops off and outscores LeBron in Game 1. I think that has to be massive, and confidence really dictated the, the way that Golden State dominated Cleveland last year. I think to pull off something mm-hmm. like this, Houston, they need to have more confidence than Golden State. And the way that Golden State has been running, Steph not being 100%, not having that great of a regular season, being tired, being drained, has to play into this a ton. Is it a four-game sweep? No. However, of course to me, not. I'm not saying well, no, a four-game no, no, sweep. I'm not saying you are. Just let me Ricky, go through the Ricky over here. So it's not going to be a four-game sweep. However, the thing that I go into, and Dave kind of mentioned it with confidence— is I think of overall just Warriors or Rockets, that's all I want to hear right now, is who's got more pressure on them, the Warriors or the Rockets? Warriors do. See, I would say different, and I would say the Rockets only because this series is different. Your GM resurrected this team, created this team with one goal in mind. To beat the Warriors, but also this is their the Warriors are coming in. So. I, still, like that's even more pressure. See, that's like, that's where me, I think real quick. I, like that to me is where the if the Rockets are going to fail in this series, that's where they're going to fail. They're going to succumb to the pressure because every time we're sitting there going, "This is the only team that can beat. This is the team, the NBA Finals. This is the team that's going to knock out the Warriors. This is the best shot." The GM put together this team to beat the Warriors. And if the Warriors come out game one and knock them in the mouth, the Rockets are going to take a step back and go, whoa, what's going on But here? again, the game one might be a wake-up call for them, but then mm-hmm. that just makes game two much more pivotal. And again, yeah. Dave said the game one's going to be massive. But I think if we look at Toronto and Cleveland, this is something that, that that's a game plan. Toronto say. came into this year needing to need, mm-hmm. you know, planning to beat LeBron James, planning to stop LeBron James. But that was after years of failure against LeBron James. They haven't had the shot against uh, Golden State in the playoffs to say, hey, we know what to do. We have everything to beat them. We don't know if Houston has everything to beat them. We think they do. They've proven it during the regular season. But again, like you've mentioned, the mm-hmm. playoffs is a different monster. This is something that is going to show how close Houston is to beating mm-hmm. or being able to beat Golden State. Maybe Houston surprises uh, Golden State and shows him, hey, we're but, better than you. But, but I think being... this is going to, real quick, yeah. I think this is going to be more important to see where Houston is at as a franchise. I, th- I don't think this is going to say, you know, if Houston loses it, this season was a massive failure. This just shows oh, okay, that this is, this is giving you the blueprint Lowry. of how to beat uh, Golden State. I don't think this mm-hmm. this is too pivotal of where, you know, you, Daryl Morley, no, no, Morley no, no. is going to be thinking, a failure if he loses this you're thinking, series. You're thinking long term. I'm thinking just this series. Like, this year is the only year that matters. I'm not going on a DeMar DeRozan, Kyle Lowry, can't remember which J.D. Dinosaur said it. Um, it's not going to be like, a, oh, we lost to the Warriors, it's a wasted series. But there's a lot of things for the Rockets coming in. The fact that, oh, okay, there's a little pressure on us because our GM put together this team with one goal in mind, to beat the Warriors. Also, James Harden. Mm. All right, you're going up against, wait, wait, you're going up against this team for the first time on the biggest stage in the Western Conference Finals. And then with CP3, all right, you got over the hump. You're out of the second round. Now how are you going to perform now that you're in the Western Conference Finals? A ton of questions for the Rockets, 
where the Warriors, I think it's going to be a lot more of just them going with the flow, going with their game, and not feeling the pressure. I'm just going to go back and yeah. go to Dave. Um, the one thing that I just want to throw out there is, mm-hmm. again, this is the first time no, Daryl Morey's squad is going up against Golden State and in the playoffs. And that's great for long but, term. But what but have I'm we been talking right about? Now. But, okay, right now, again, this is showing you where you are at. Mm-hmm. And, again, again, if you're looking at it short term, this is just a benchmark to prove where you are at to beating Golden State. What are we talking about after the season? Where is LeBron James going to go? If Houston takes them to seven games and it's a tight seven games, hey, what's the one piece we need to take down Golden State? It could be the best player in the NBA in LeBron James. So I think that this isn't too critical to mm-hmm. Houston's success. Again, if they lose this series, yeah. and we're going to Dave, so you, you can't retort on this. Um, <laughs> you can't fucking interrupt me. I know we, keep, we love doing that. But again, this is just giving them a benchmark of where they are to beating Golden State. Mm-hmm. I don't think, it, it, the only way this is a failure of a season is if you get swept and destroyed by Golden State. Yeah, I, I see your point as far as the pressure is concerned. I think the whole joke about we built this team to beat this we team. Built this team. Like, that's <laughs> just, it's just not true. They built a team to win a championship. Do they understand who's in the way? Yes. Do they mm-hmm. understand, you know, what that team can put out there? Yes. Sean's, like, got a gr- well, shitty grin. This. No, no, and that's why. Like, no, 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 I want David to finish this spot, but I just want to say, we built this team on CP3. <laughs> okay. Sorry. So when it comes down to it, this is still a team that everyone has as an underdog. Mm-hmm. So how do they have more pressure on them as an underdog where everyone's like, we'd be surprised if they took a couple games off this team. No, no, no. They've already hit. The expectation was we're going to face against uh, the Golden State Warriors in the conference champion. Mm-hmm. Or in the, yeah, conference championship, whatever. Like, that's where it's going down. I think that Golden State has a lot to prove because if they can't successfully defend this from the Rockets... Then what happens? Because you've got a lot of contract situations over there. You've got a lot of future concerns. You've got a lot of players who want, well, you know, we, we turned on for that one series, but then, like, the Rockets kind of surprised us and took something off us. Like, that totally sets up some cracks in their armor. Like, it makes you start to think that, like, well, they're a super team, yes, mm-hmm. but does that mean you can just slap together three all-stars or four all-stars and just roll your way a to the similar, finals? A similar question I would ask is who's got more Pressure on the Eastern Conference side, the Cavs or the Celtics? Which the Cavs ones got do. the Cavs? I would a say the Celtics percent. have more. No, and the no, Cavs do. This is LeBron money. James. Well, and Celtics that's why you have the best money. player in. Like the, the Celtics are saying, "Hey, we still have two starters, mm-hmm. stars yeah. coming back next year. Like, we're, we're healthy. We're the youngest see, team in the playoffs." This is where, and this is what I was going to retort. You're thinking very for. I like it. You're thinking very forward thinking. I am thinking. Just cut off. Don't even think about the future. Think just about this series. That's all I'm thinking about. Well, here. you got to think about it in, in, the, and I'm in, saying, in the aspect. If you're just saying in this series, there's no one team has more pressure than the other because yeah. the whole goal is to win. So no team has yeah. more pressure and to I'm, win and because I'm saying they coming, should be equal. See, we no, and that's where I'm disagreeing. I think that How? the team that has more pressure to win it is the underdog. Is the Rockets, exactly. How does the underdog have more pressure? Because the favorite needs to live up. Yes. No, and no. The and favorite has the, the that's expectation the to win. But I'm telling you how... <laughs> Look at how the Warriors think of things. The Warriors have never been that team that comes in and goes, oh, we're the favorite, we're going to feel pressured. But they make other teams come in and, oh, crap, we got to live up. Can we live up to this under? Kind of like what Dave was saying where, yeah, you can't come in and fear the Warriors, but 
they kind of have this holy, not holier than thou, but it's like, it's kind of like when you play LeBron James. Look what happened to the Raptors. They crumbled under the pressure. What Rockets are we going to see? A but, team that comes and punches them in the face or crumbles under it, the pressure? Again, you're taking it out of context. Mm-hmm. The reason why there was so much pressure on Toronto was because they oh, kept get, losing to LeBron James. I get their different and, situations, and, but there's still to me more and, pressure on the Rockets. And in every underdog movie, mm-hmm. what's the whole narrative? No one expected us to be here, so go out and play. Go out and be yourself. But this, we got I here think, on what like, we go. And yep. so there's no pressure and to win because if we lose, no one expected us to be here. And that's it's where I think you guys are wrong. The whole thing where you keep no, where you keep saying no one expected us to be here. There are people at the beginning of the season thought these two teams would meet here. Yes, there, there are but, people but, but to like win. Dave sitting next to me that have picked the Rockets to beat the Warriors since the beginning. So to me, I if, feel like this has been more split. If Houston wins, I'm sorry. If Houston loses. Will you be shocked? No. But the whole time, he's little. like, I'm saying, like, when we've come down it to picks. It literally took me three minutes of watching Steph Curry to say, Golden State's going to win this one. <laughs> like, I don't know what, so, like, yes, yeah, since the beginning of the year, I was like, this team is built to do it. Again, let's, we got to get away well. from this topic. But, again, I, I think I think the thing is, this is more of a benchmark for Houston, mm-hmm. where yes. this might be Golden State's, weirdly enough, last shot with these four players to win this. So that's why I think there's more pressure on Golden State because this is their last shot to do it possibly the with thing, Draymond Clay and Steph and, and, and we we got to go to predictions and KD. We got to go pred- predictions. So sorry we can't get that in, but we got to go to w- how cl- the Warriors will win, how will the Rockets will win in, in, in X Factor. We'll go to you. So how how will the Rockets win? How will Golden State win and what's the biggest X Factor? James series? Harden and CP3 for the Rockets and then for the Warriors it's just play their ball. Like Dave was saying when Steph Curry's out there, the way they move the ball, find the open shot like, they got to play Warrior basketball. I know that sounds cliche, but that's what it's got to be. And Harden and CP3 got to show up if the Rockets want to win. Biggest X Factor? Biggest X Factor? James Harden. He's If he doesn't show up, they lose. If he balls out, then they got a chance. David, who's what, what does Golden State need to do to win? What does Houston need to do to win? And then the X Factor. Golden State needs to play through KD and Steph, use those two, knock out everybody else. I mean, Draymond's been impressive as hell this last series, and I think he continues to do so against a uh, smaller uh Rockets lineup, and on the other side, you got to lock down with CP3 and Harden. If Harden limits the turnovers, keep the ball in CP3's hands as much as possible. Turn Harden back into that shooting guard, um, secondary ball handler, so he can worry about focusing in on his three-point shots because he has been inaccurate as hell as of late. He needs to fix that. So my X factor, CP3, 100% on the Rocket side, and on the Warrior side, I'm going to give it to Draymond. Actually, I know that I said two key ball handlers mm-hmm. with uh, Steph mm-hmm. and. Uh, uh, KD, but I think Draymond's just the ultimate X factor. Well, and also Clint Capella. How is he going to factor into the series? Because he's got to factor in somehow. That's but, my X factor. Is is it? Bringing it up, I think Ricky. Clint just does Clint things. You know, I don't. Really well, but about the him. thing is, he's got to block shots. I think the thing that's going to be big for him is you look at what he did in three games against Golden State, and obviously different because one of them he wasn't playing with James Harden. Mm-hmm. Fifteen points uh, in those three games, uh, six point three rebounds for Clint Capella. Um, one ten offensive rating, one ten defensive rating. Um, only had three <laughs> blocks throughout those whole games. Yeah. Um, Shot 62.5% from the field. It's going to be big for Clint to at least beat up the Warriors inside, whether that be Draymond, whether that be um, Zaza. If he's not on his game, then that's going to help them focus in more 
on James Harden and Clint, uh, and and, and uh, CP3. So yeah, I think they're going to see a lot of small small ball PJ out mm-hmm. there at the five. I think Clint's going to have limited mitts if he gets exposed. Well, do you think they should be limited? Oh, so just if he's exposed? Yeah, I think the Rockets are going to have to default back to that game plan during the series. Well, I think it, it's something where again, Clint might be used. Like it's going to be a situation maybe with Ben Simmons, but they're not actually going to force him back in. If he's on, they're going to keep him in. If yeah. he's off, they're going to take him off. But I don't think it's going to be something where if he's off for one game, they're going to keep him out for the majority of the next game. I think they're going to no. keep going back to it uh, yeah, again again because, that. again, Clint's better than Zaza. And he's better than pretty much any five that they're going to put out there. He has the height over Draymond. Yeah, if they can force it like they did early, and I don't want to go all the way back to this, but the early Jordan days when to start off every series— Jordan was basically told, you have to spoon-feed your low post. You have mm-hmm. to go down low. You have to feed the big man. Set the tone. Set the pace. And if the, Clip- if the Clippers, Jesus, if Chris <laughs> Paul can do this uh, with Clint Capella, then yes, it forces the Warriors to play around Clint Capella. If not, Clint Capella then becomes a liability. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. I think that's the biggest thing. If, if he's able to come out and have a game like he did on June 20th, where he scores 18 points, 7 to 12 from the field. He's efficient. He was always efficient. He's, he, he shot, shot he, above yeah. 60% of every single watch game. half the year. No, I'm saying just against Golden State. <laughs> yeah. um, again, if he's able to be efficient, I think that's going to be something big for them because they don't have an answer for them, at least at that five. Mm-hmm. Maybe Jordan Bell is, is possibly that answer, but again, Clint Capella still has the experience. He's also bigger than, than Jordan Bell, so I yeah. think it's going to be the biggest X factor for them. Uh, the way Houston wins, I think it's just strictly about how quick they play. If they're able to push that tempo you know, push the pace and get Golden State tired and then force them to pull out Jordan Bell, uh, hell if Quinn Cook, any of these guys, like if they're able to pull out any of these guys off the bench, I think that's going to be the biggest Kevin thing Looney, is, yeah. is trying to attention, attack that, that lower post, Kevin yeah. Looney as well. Um, if they're able to, you know, go into the deep reserves, that's going to be huge for uh, for uh, Houston. I think Golden State, it's strictly win game one. If you win game one, you're winning this series. Mm-hmm. If you lose game one, then it's up in the air. Let's go to predictions now. We got about three minutes before the uh, the camera shuts off. Ricky, who will win and in how many games? Mine's going to be easy, and I'm actually going to throw in that point that you wouldn't let me talk about earlier because That's it, fi- because we, we it fits time. in here. Yeah, yeah. Um, I feel like this is for the Warriors, although they didn't play the Rockets last year in the playoffs. This is going to be like the 98 finals with the Bulls and Jazz because for the first time, like I mentioned, they don't have home court, just like with the Bulls. Yeah, we beat the Jazz in 97, but we had home court. We don't have it in '98. So did you just how watch, I feel, wait, real quick? Did you watch that like uh, yes, re- I did. rewind with? Yes, I did. That was pretty and good from SB Nation. I've got a video idea after rewatching that game. That so I'm gonna come out with a video sometime about MJ based off okay. that game. Well, it, it was still um, pretty good video. So it, it was great. Yeah. It sparked an idea in my head. How I think the series goes down: Warriors win Game One, Rockets win Game Two, Three and Four go to the Warriors, Rockets win the fifth, Warriors seal it in six. So it'll be Warriors and six. Warriors and six, David. Warriors and six. That's it? I'm not getting fancy going to game to game. You ask for numbers, I give you numbers. I want, I mean, it would be great if it went to seven, but I just Mm -hmm. don't see it going Mm -hmm. to seven. I mean, after one game, I mean, it'll probably change. But right now I'm feeling, the way I've watched the Warriors run through that second round with a healthier Steph, Mm -hmm. and now he has days to rest and come back even healthier, terrified. What do you think is going to be, so do you think the Warriors are going to, like their wins are going to be, Big or do you think the Rockets like wins are going to be like what? What do you think is more defense likely? Defense probably won't be played too much. These games are going to be about one fifteen to one hundred nine. If there's any defense, it'll be more so on the. But do you, th- do you think side, it's duh. do you think it's going to be something where uh, Golden State wins big and then the losses are close, kind of like we saw what we saw against uh, yeah. LeBron? Yeah. So I mean, to be fair, the Rockets are a better defensive team uh, statistically. 
I mm-hmm. but do will they play defense the entire time? That's, That's what, I what think. we'll have to see. Yeah, it's gonna be interesting to see how that the four key guys for Golden State does just, the just hold say up the five. The, well, the Hamptons five. You know you want to. Okay. Well, the Hamptons. I five, say then. half the defense, double the offense. <laughs> it's gonna be interesting to see how they 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 were really <laughs> able to keep up the pace. Um, I'm gonna go Warriors in seven. I think I think uh, Houston wins game mm-hmm. one. Uh, Warriors take game two. Uh, Warriors uh, win uh, three. Win uh, three and four. Golden, uh, Houston wins five and six, and then Warriors close it out. Over seven. under flops for James Harden at ten. They haven't Over. find anyone since like 2015 Over. for flops. So, but you know who he's playing against? Yeah, Over. I think I think it's gonna. But what did you say? 10? I said ten. Over. By I say. Far. I say under. Under. All right. Well, I mean, there's no flopping stats on any uh, back basketball jumps? reference. He's the flop king. Any back jumps in the series? Michael Carter Williams is not on the team, so no. <laughs> king of the flop. Uh, any final thoughts on Rockets versus Warriors? No, not really. No I one's... hope this series lives up to everything I hoped for at the beginning of the year because I thought this was going to be like, we are going to duel it out. It's going to be like 130 to 135. It's going to be great. If if anything Boston and Philly proved is that uh, even even though if it was a five-game series, uh, oh my God, the, if, it. if it's a five-game series, you can still have amazing basketball. Mm-hmm. So that's the one thing. As long as it's well amazing played. basketball, it doesn't matter. Well um, so and, and let us know your thoughts on the Western Conference Finals down in the comments below. Who do you got and why? How many games? Let us know. But let's move into the next topic, and that is the wet boys. We're talking about the soggiest shooters, the dampest of dudes, the moistest of men. We are talking about wet boys. These are guys that absolutely popped off in the past week, had unreal stats, had um, you know impressive milestones, uh, have made some headlines over the past week, and we want to devote uh, a segment to the wettest boys of the week. But since they don't know, I'm gonna, mm-hmm. I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, let them in on, on some behind the scenes. Yeah, I have not told Ricky and Dave my wet boys. Usually, I make it's the Nick Carlson. Usually, We've I decided. make the. Usually, I make the. It's not that we've decided. You you've decided. Yeah, we, we guessed. When did you when did you talk 65 about sixty five players and Sean said no to all of them and then he's like, well, you did say his name. Yeah, you did say his name. So they were just going through. I, I gave him a couple of hints. See, I think he's, he's in the Western Conference. He's in the Western Conference and he didn't <laughs> play. He didn't play last week. Uh, but usually I make the graphics and I send it to them in an email. Um, and they they're able to see everyone's wet boys. However, I have not sent we them got a surprise this week. The wet boys. Um, unfortunately, uh, you guys got it right. It's Nick Collinson. Uh, Nick Collinson oh, uh, retiring. Okay. Uh, yeah. He was drafted in 2003. Retiring today. Um, you popping up on his, uh, his statue. Greatest class his, of all time. His statue right now. One of them. Uh, his statue career stats up on the board. Six points per game. Five total rebounds per game. One assist. 53% from the field. 72% from the line. Uh, Mr. Supersonic uh, was the third final active Supersonic in the league. Now the only two remaining to play for the Supersonics. Kevin Durant. And Jeff Green, so one of uh, the last of his kind, and also is uh, that why you gave it to him because he's a supersonic? Yeah, oh, exiting. Well, you're going to see it now. Oh, okay. His his stat sheet is the, the supersonics, supersonics. Oh, okay. uh, but he's also Mr. Thunder, uh, even though he has not done so much on the court throughout his career, uh, consistently being a guy in the locker room that the Thunder have looked upon, um, and, and consistently has been getting a paycheck for just what he's been able to do in the locker room. So shout out to Nick Collison uh, for his great career, and again, uh, you a great a part of the great generation. LeBron yeah. James, Dwayne Wade, Darko Milicic, Carmelo Kyle Anthony, Korver. Kyle Korver, Kirk uh, Heinrich, Chris Bosh as well, Kirk, Kirk Heinrich, and then of course the the, the true star of that mm-hmm. draft in Nick Collison. What a steal! So Ricky, are you satisfied? Well, first off, I'm uh, the only thing I'm upset about is yeah. 
I would have let it go a little bit. I would have let me and Dave or Dave and I kind of give our wet boys, let us like sit in it a little bit and then say, well, it for I, last. see the thing is, is that I was, I was going to let Blew them in early. and then you threw out Nick Collison. So now that I'm already on camera, you could have you told just, me that well, I guess we'll have to wait and see. No, I mean, they can see it now because of the thumbnail. So well, they knew who was going to be oh, coming okay. to the thumbnail. I guess they could. But, uh, so uh, I didn't know. Yeah. You guys point. didn't know. But anyways, since we, we finally broke uh, the, the, the reveal of Nick mm-hmm. Collison being his, his first and only wet boy, unless he goes into coaching, uh, because the reason I mentioned coaching is because Ricky, you, uh, you you have a first for us. I do, and before I get into it, I am just gonna say I'm looking at your Nick Collison uh, graphic because I finally see it. You picked the wrong logo, but that's nonetheless. Brad Stevens is my wet boy. I am. I, I wasn't alive for the old one. It's the, the supersonic. You one. should still know. You sh- still should have seen. The I like that. Specs. I like that logo better. <laughs> You're, you're just wrong, man. It's That's okay. fine. I like that logo better. It's okay. But Brad Stevens is my wet boy, and the reason being is, Brad, you might not have gotten a Coach of the Year vote, but you're still the best coach to me right now. And when we get to our player rankings, I'm going to say right now, it's probably going to go Brad Stevens, Steve Kerr, Coach Popovich. That's probably how they're going to go because Brad Stevens has been showing in these playoffs, especially this week, that he is the best coach in the NBA by far. Loses two stars, still gets to the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah, yeah he trusted the process of elimination this week. <laughs> That's a pretty good one. I love that. Good old Thank Paul you, Pierce come with that one. Yep. Yeah, I was I was trying to fix it because you saw it out That's there. Fantastic. You saw the, the uh, two two wins, one loss, uh, zero coach of the year votes. Um, but also, I, I was trying to figure out one where we could put in negative two starters yes. and then also one process eliminated. But yep. uh, anyways, yeah, Brad Stevens being the first ever coach oh, getting a wet boy. We've had a team. We've had a coach. Uh, we've now had uh, two Celtics in back-to-back player. weeks, and, and we've also player. had a college player uh, in Jordan Lyles from UMN, <laughs> UMBC. Uh, but Dave, give us your final wet boy. We got we got Celtics fever on the side of the table, because I'm going with JT. <laughs> I'm going with my boy. I uh, love him to come out of the draft. I love him all season. He has stepped up incredibly well. Basically, it's like Don Mitchell and him are like on that tier out of this draft class. It's been incredible. He's put up 23-4-4, and four, uh, 54% from the field, 30 from three. It has been incredible from three, but to be fair, like, he is playing at such an elevated level, and I think he's like set some record for being a rookie, scoring twenty points in five consecutive games. Like he is doing some special stuff out there that is super, super interesting. Um, I honestly think his game is just incredibly smooth, and like Brad Stevens is a freaking evil genius. Like for how he gets this team to play together. Like I don't understand how he takes a bunch of young players, slaps it all together. Turns them into a weirdly well-processing machine mm-hmm. and out-processes the process. It was absolutely fantastic. I mean, he's, he's a magician out there. Yeah. What he's able to do. I will say, though, watching JT's game and me throwing out the player comp back uh, before uh, the, we, he came into the league, uh, saying Carmelo Anthony, seeing his game... I'm still I'm pretty proud of that one. Right. We we like on the fast break whenever we're like when we're right, whenever we're right, we're we again. like we like bragging mm-hmm. about it. Yeah. I felt pretty damn good about it back then, and I feel pretty damn good about it now. I think he might be a little bit better defensively than Carmelo, maybe a little bit worse of a creator, but still yeah. close enough. He, right? He is still something special. I mean, right. a little really. bit of a shrug. We got enough. Is yeah. that true though that he's the only player to ever Not score? Not the only. Okay, but it's it's him. I think Don. Yeah, did Don Mitchell. Um, what's it called? I think he had seven straight games of 20 the points. The thing that I'm yeah. thinking so is... It puts him in an elite club. Did Don Mitch ever get a wet boy this playoff? I don't think he has. This playoff, no, but he got he got one He got him year. in the season? Yeah. Okay. yeah. I think I gave him one. Because like when Dave brought up Jay, I'm like, man, Don, Don Mitch hasn't gotten one in this playoffs, and he played pretty good this playoff. I playoffs. think Ben did. Um, mm-hmm. I think... Uh, Don Mitch did, and Lonzo did for me. Well, Lonzo, yeah. Um, I had to throw one out for the ball. Markkinen did as well, mm-hmm. I think. Mark Daddy. Mark, Markel didn't, and then I think right. uh, 
Josh I, Jackson technically did because he was on the Seahawks Suns. Yeah, he was. So there we go. Count it. Uh, let us know your what boys for the past week in the comments section below. Well, let's move into the final topic here on the Fast Break Podcast. And we're talking about Russell Westbrook. Zach Lowe of ESPN dropped a little bit of a note that was pretty interesting. Uh, he talked about uh, there's an increasing number of people around the league who think the Thunder should look at trading Westbrook. To be clear, not a report. Not Thunder sources think they should do this. Just in spitballing ideas with teams around the league, there's a number of people who have heard this just like it's time for something here to change. So we're not saying the, the Thunder should come out and trade him. This is mm-hmm. just us talking, spitballing the idea yeah. here on the Fast Break Podcast of Russell Westbrook possibly moving team, if it's the best for the Thunder, how it will happen, and some mm-hmm. teams that could possibly take on Russell Westbrook and need a player like Russell Westbrook. So don't go in it saying it's not going to happen. We're not saying it's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, we're not saying it's going to happen, but should it happen? Maybe exactly. one of us thinks so. And, and that's the whole point of this topic, just to have fun. So mm-hmm. let us also know your comments uh, down below. Do you think the, uh, the the Thunder should look into trading Russell Westbrook? Well, I'll ask it to you guys. Ricky, do you think the Thunder should or at least should look into trading Russell Westbrook? Yes, I think they. if they haven't already, that's a huge problem to me. I feel like the main reason why is my whole problem with the Thunder is I feel like all of their problems come down to Russell Westbrook. And it's, yeah, he's a great player. Yeah, the triple-double's amazing, but... His game, and most importantly, his personality, I don't think fits with especially the Thunder with him being the one. Because, yeah, if you want a guy that's just going to light up the stat sheet, that's fine. You might get to the playoffs. He's never going to be a guy that wins an NBA championship. You now have two players. He's never going to win an NBA championship. Never going to win an NBA championship. Never lost. As him him being the number one. Now, if he late in his career journeymans it and goes on a team, then maybe he might get one. But he won't like if he stays with the Thunder with this contract, he'll never win a championship with the Thunder as the number one. Because I look at it now, two guys. James Harden was first. I know Mm -hmm. James Harden hasn't won a championship, but look at where he is right now. Kevin Durant leaves, and I know everyone, oh, but he went to the best team ever. Yeah, but he still left. And look at how he is flourishing. I feel like the common denominator is maybe we do have a problem here with Russell Westbrook, and it's not his play, it's his personality. Dave, before I ask you the question of should they look into it or or should they, should we, I want to ask the question about just Russ in general, because uh, Ricky brings up the fact that James Harden leaves and the the fact that Kevin Durant leaves. James Harden didn't pick up his play in Houston Mm -hmm. until he had that great system around him. Yes, he was good when Dwight was around there, but when they picked it up, when they had D'Antoni and Harden firing over the past two years, that's when he turned into the next next great player. Mm -hmm. Kevin Durant, being in that Warrior system, turned him into the monster we saw today. He was already a monster, but now at least defensively, offensively, he just seems more connected into this team. Do we give too much shit to Russell Westbrook, not only the media, but fans, just because he's never been in that system? Because I think most people know I'm not a fan of Billy Donovan and I'm not a fan of Scott Brooks because I don't think they're imaginative offensively. I don't think they're strong enough to be head coaches in the NBA. So looking at them, do you think it's something where Russ has just not been in the right system to flourish in his career? Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head from my point of view as well. I think the problem when you have someone as talented as Russ, as um, outspoken as he is, and, you know, he's so easy to talk to from the media standpoint that it's sometimes hard to control a player like that and get him to the point where, you know, you want to do your own thing. I get that. I respect that. But what's best for the team needs to be this. And I feel like that hasn't happened on that team. I feel like he's been allowed to do his thing 
And it, when it was him and Kevin Durant, it was, you guys both do your own thing, and you guys will ISO it out, and we'll try to win games that way. You don't play with the system. You don't play with... You don't play smart basketball. Mm-hmm. They, don't, they don't play team basketball. They had... Look at that old team. It was Abaka. It was um, KD, Harden, Westbrook, and I think uh, Roberson was on that team. At, maybe not, but it was still mm-hmm. a couple years back when they challenged in the championship year. Like, I think Raymond Felton was on the team. I don't know. Point being... You had talent. You had a full team. And what'd you do? You choked in the playoffs. You went down. You went ISO heavy, and you lost the series. Um, and then as time went on, you watched it more and more harden. That was the worst decision a franchise could make to be like, we're not going to go in the luxury tax to keep someone who's pretty good. Mm-hmm. Well, we'll let him walk. And then KD, obviously the decision happened for him. I think a lot of it for me comes down to, like you said, the lack of strength from a coaching position matters the most. I think in a system where he can truly be um, you know, unleashed, uh, uh, not unleashed, the opposite of that, be, be reined in to play within a system, we will truly see this as an excellent team. I don't think that he can't do it. I think it's the fact that he has no reason to right now. Like, he has not been in a, in a position this, these last two years where if there was a system around him and these guys to succeed, yeah. I don't think this would be a better team if magically, you know, they were able to do that. Do you think, real quick, two of the guys on that Thunder team that you were thinking about. It wasn't Robertson. It was Reggie Jackson and uh, Reggie. Uh, D. Fish was on that Thunder team. D. Yeah, Fish. Was Raymond was Felton last... on that team? Or was Raymond that, like, Felton? Later? No. no. Um, okay, that's two fir- of the other guys were Thabo and uh, Nazi Muhammad. Yeah. Oh, okay. I think Former we, Bulls. Real quick, though, I think that is the first Raymond Felton we've ever had on the Fast Break Podcast. Shout <laughs> out <laughs> UNC 2005. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, Dave, should they trade Russell Westbrook, or should they look into trading Russell Westbrook, or should it be a coaching decision move? I think you have to move the coach. I think you go. You start with the player. This is not that dissimilar to the Grizzlies. Uh, the Grizzlies were a situation where, obviously, they their team was going in a different direction, then their star player wanted, and he didn't agree with it, and obviously that caused conflict. Whatever happened, Fisdale gone, and we all thought that was the wrong move. I think this is a situation where Russell Westbrook is far more in his prime than Gasol is. He is able to contribute at a much higher level, and his impact on the game is much greater. He's someone that you can absolutely build around, but you have to build around him. You can't keep trying to take these shortcuts and making trades that sacrifice two-for-one trades to get Carmelo and two-for-one trade to get Paul George in. You keep moving around these pieces and cutting your own legs out from under. You mm-hmm. can't build a team like that because you added in two All-Stars, yes, but one could care less that he's playing basketball. The other one seemed halfway lost out there and disappeared at times. So I think a lot of it a lot of it comes down to coaching. If you can't get the most out of your players, then how do you expect to win games? So mm-hmm. that's your biggest problem right now. Well, and it comes down to... You kind of hit on it a little bit was when you were talking about, like, with Russ and the media. Mm-hmm. And you go, well, okay, how do you, like, tell – you mentioned where it's like, how do you tell a player like that what to do? Yep. And the first thing I think about, and I know this is, like, the um, extremist answer is Pop hasn't had a problem. Like, Pop hasn't had a problem saying this is how we do things. And I know the Spurs are a completely, like, totally over this side because they do things – not many teams do mm-hmm. in this NBA. Like, look at Spolster and LeBron. They had head-to-head. They conflicted the first year, didn't win the finals. By the end of it, they were working together. And I feel like the big thing at Russell Westbrook is he's going to be a guy who's going to light up the stat sheet. Is he an amazing player? Yes. But I feel like Billy Donovan, any coach you bring in, is not going to be able to work 
with him because of what it's been like, where it's like, hey, I'm going to do my thing. Let me do my thing. Don't tell me what to do. Let me do my thing. And I think that's going to be the kryptonite to Russell Westbrook, because after Katie left, now it's like, I have to do it all on my own. I have to do this. It's me or it's nothing. And that has hurt Russell Westbrook because you mentioned, oh, he's in his prime. Yeah, he's 29. Mm -hmm. But by the time they build around him, how old is he going to be? Still be like 31, which no, is still No, but it's fine. like, how are you going to well, build? Like, how are free agents going to want to come to OKC? Are you no. going to have to do it in the draft? Let's say, exactly. let's say this. How important is Paul George resigning with Oklahoma City this offseason? I mean, not, not, saying, not saying that it will happen, but mm -hmm. if you're able to keep Paul George on this team— Will that at least show the signs of being able to build around Russell Westbrook and Paul George? Because obviously that Carmelo deal is probably mm -hmm. not going to come off um, <laughs> unless you know, you're Bad able chance. to you know, you're able to throw a lot mm -hmm. on at least uh, you know draft pick wise to move him out. Dave said it perfectly though. They cut the legs from under them because now they're in a situation them being the Thunder where if Paul George doesn't come back. All right, we gave up Victor Oladipo and DeMontis Sabonis, who have contributed really well to a Pacers team this year, and we got Paul George for a year. Mm -hmm. Like, that to me is, you've got to bring they, them they back. They took a stab, but to be fair, that was also to get Russ to sign a contract at the yeah. same time. Like, them, them moving those two pieces but guaranteed you, that Russ would re-sign that contract. But if think, you feel like free agents aren't going to come to OKC, you need to is, it really gonna, is it well, really going to do anything? I think the, them, you got to bring them back. I think the biggest thing is that, again, the, the reason why it won't happen in my mm -hmm. mind is just because of that the, you, of you signing Russ to that contract. It's not Russ's, at least I'm going to say it's not Russ's fault, but mm -hmm. it's not Russ who needs to go because Russ is what that fan base is rallying around. I think Oklahoma he still Oklahoma loves City. the Thunder, but I think having Russell Westbrook, mm -hmm. having that guy that you consistently rely on, consistently can root for, having him be there is something that's going to be massive to at least Oklahoma City still thriving as a basketball market. Mm -hmm. Because if you start to rebuild, not saying that Oklahoma won't support it, because we really haven't seen them uh, at least put in that situation. Because I mean, they've been they've been flourishing in Oklahoma City because of the early days in OKC. Though but, when you had early Kevin Durant, you had early Russell Westbrook, you saw the potential in those guys. That's the thing is you saw the potential in those guys, and that's why again they didn't really. So drop you're saying out right the, the rock bottom hasn't hit, and you don't know how to react when it does. Exactly. Okay. So but, okay. so because because at least when the Oklahoma City came. Mm -hmm. fresh franchise, you're going to have people coming because of that. It's yeah. NBA basketball in our city. And then also, hey, we have Kevin Durant, who's a superstar, just waiting to burst and explode. Mm -hmm. To be fair, like and year took, one and year two of that in OKC, it was not packed. But, like but they, had, they had terrible. But again, it, it, it took, it took <laughs> well, time for also, them to build like, up. People say it's like a college atmosphere down there. Which is awesome. Yeah. Which but is absolutely awesome. The thing that I think about is I'm thinking two things while you were talking, Sean. And the most important one was basically when you said, oh, you can't get rid of, oh, I remember the first one. The first one was, this is the second time I'm going to mention them, was um, Get Up last week. They were talking about how, you know, Russell Westbrook, I guess one of the stipulations for signing the contract was, hey, Russ, we're going to let you know before you sign this, we're keeping Billy Donovan. Like, we are not getting rid of him. And he signed it. And Jalen or Jalen Rose had the best comment of, I don't care who the coach is. That much money, I'm fucking signing it. Like, you can put anyone as the coach. With that much mm -hmm. money, the ink is hitting max. the paper. But the second point, and this is what you were bringing up, is the fact of going into a rebuild. And here's the interesting point I sit at. With Russell Westbrook, are you going to sit there and go, you know what? 
We gave him a big contract. We got to keep him because he's going to put fans in the seats and we're going to try to build around him. Or you make the ri- – it might be risky. It might be bold, but it can work out with how Presti has done. Look back, his draft – the guys he drafted are turning into pretty good NBA players. What are that. you going to be able to get – for Russell Westbrook, and then you build around those players. I know it's a rebuild, but think about who's your GM and what you could get for Russell Westbrook. Well, here's the question. Do they need to go into a rebuild? Because, because again, they, they still have the possibility of mm-hmm. bringing back Paul George. They still have Russell Westbrook signed to an extension. I know this mm-hmm. topic is about him possibly leaving, yeah. but let's just say well, that traded, you know, yeah. Ru- Russ is, yeah, again, mm-hmm. trading, my bad. Um, again, they're going to have Russ under contract. Mm-hmm. The, they can still bring back Paul George, and Carmelo's still going to be there. So do they need a rebuild or do they, do they need a culture change, again, going back to Billy Donovan? What's more important for the Thunder next season? I don't know about you, Dave, but mm-hmm. the way I'm looking at it is we saw this trio work. I'm not convinced that this will ever develop into a championship trio. And because of that, you're at a crossroads right now. You either ride with Russell Westbrook trying to build around him, failing to do so, never winning a title— or you bite the bullet, say we're going into a rebuild, getting what we can for Russell Westbrook right now while we can get a King's Ransom and go full steer into it. Dave, I want to ask a question Mm -hmm. to you about uh, the Oklahoma City Thunder. Yeah. Can Russell Westbrook and Paul George at least be dangerous and is the biggest problem Carmelo Anthony? Like, yeah, do you think? Do you think? Biggest, I wouldn't say the biggest problem is Carmelo Anthony. I would say the biggest problem is the lack of depth on that roster. Um, I think Roberson's injury was massive. So, I do mean, you think if Roberson was there, it would have been a different story? I think it would have been different. Um, I don't know that they would have won in round one, but mm-hmm. I think it would have been a different story, hundred percent, because he is—he's bar—he's probably the top three defender in his position. Probably one of the top three in the NBA, to be honest. Like, he is a lockdown defender, and yes, he can't shoot for a lick. But he still has such upside in that defensive end that you don't need him necessarily. Yes, if you learn should be amazing, but like I think the injury is huge. I think the the depth is just the biggest problem because yes, Carmelo is unmotivated. But why is Carmelo unmotivated? You have to figure out the root of the cause. You can't just say Melo doesn't want to play. He's bad. He refuses to come off the bench. He laughed at it. Like you have to have a coach who actually garners respect from these players who are like. Uh, this is this is like my ninth, tenth year in the NBA. I don't mm-hmm. care what you have to say. I've done mine. I've earned it, and I'm gonna go out and take my shots. Why can't Melo just be bad though? Like Melo, I think oh, Melo. I think Melo is honestly just delusional when it comes to where he stands. Yeah, the, the, Carmelo isn't LeBron James. Even though you were drafting, you <laughs> Carmelo compared to that draft class is more is more comparable to Dwayne Wade than he is LeBron James. And I think Carmelo's mindset Except, is that you know, he's closer to LeBron James than he is to Dwayne Wade. Dwayne, Dwayne won a ring without him, though. And also, Dwayne Wade played better this year with two bum-ass knees. So that's one thing that I think Carmelo's just absolutely delusional where he is. He needs a mindset change. He needs to check himself. And if he even if he does that, I do, still don't know how valuable he can be to an NBA team. When people are talking about you coming off the bench and you laughing at it, you need to look in the mirror and see where you're at. I yeah. think that Carmelo Anthony is the biggest problem on this team, followed by Billy Donovan. And I think that Russell Westbrook and Paul George prove that they can play together. There were moments oh, where those two 
absolutely clicked and were a nice duo on the court. And I think having a guy like Steven Adams is super nice. And Andre Roberson makes a nice starting four. I think the biggest thing, though, is just now looking back at that Carmelo trade and seeing what you lost in Enos Cantor, not really what he brought to you on the floor, but what he could have brought you at least outside of Melo. Because now you're stuck with $28. million going to a guy who's absolutely delusional on your bench, and it's just going to be hurting you because you're going to have to start this guy. And unless he changes his mindset, unless he looks in the mirror, this is going to be a team find that Hoodie fails Mello. next year. Go so, find Hoodie Mello. Go find Olympic <laughs> Mello. Because we, okay. So I think those guys are dead and gone, though. Here's the thing. We saw this for a stretch of the season actually work out really well. You remember um, probably uh, maybe like two months into the season, mm-hmm. like this team had a run where yeah. they looked legit. And we're like, oh, shit. That team, that team can stop teams in the playoffs. They have what it takes between those three guys to win a game, any game between those three guys. Like one of them can step up one night, one the next night. They don't have to do it themselves every night. I think where all of kind of fell apart was, you know, not not knowing how to mesh their roles and how to have them excel one at a time. Because like you said, or like Ricky said, with Russ is a stat monster. Yes, he feel he still feels the need that he has to do everything, which is how you know that this isn't a team. When he is out there with a guy with uh, the shooting ability of uh, Paul George, who can knock down outside shots and be one of the best, um, honestly, one of the best three and D players in the NBA, best two way players yeah. on the wing, like, and he still feels dependent on I need to win this game. When you have Carmel Anthony, who's supposed to be the veteran leader out there, who's you know been there, done that, just needs to win in the playoffs. And this is a guy who is just showing up like a bum and just uninterested, <laughs> lazy, and not giving it like 100% effort. That's inexcusable in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I think I think culture is the biggest thing. Steven Adams is freaking fantastic. Yeah, He's still a kid. That's the thing you got to remember. He's he's still not even prime Steven Adams. I mean, the stash is prime, but like the rest of him, he's still growing. So if you have, like you said, you have elite pieces there to build around, I don't think it's rebuild time. I think it's time to go through and retool this team. I, I agree. I think the Carmel Anthony is not something that you can move. So you need to learn how to motivate him. You need to learn how to get him to play into the system. And actually, like, I'm cool with him being a starter again. I honestly think that he has exact. He has the shot. It's still silky smooth. He can still roll through the low post. He can still do backdoor cuts. Like, there's not an offensive thing that I'm not happy with. It's the effort level. And that can be changed. Can I'm coming it? back to the coach. Uh, but can can it be changed by just the coach? It 100%. still has to be. I think it still has to be dependent on the player. And I still think Carmelo Anthony is absolutely delusional. I think that's why he's a bigger problem than Billy Donovan. Mm-hmm. And also, uh, coming out, it is that Presti said that Billy Donovan's going to stay yeah, as head coach. Yeah, he said he's safe. So, uh, but Billy, is this Billy like Donovan's not going to move. safe, safe, or is this like 10 games into the next season you get no, fired on the Suns? I think it's he's safe, safe. Because <laughs> of the whole, three games. Well, three games. Because, because of the whole thing that they said to Russ before he signed the contract. I don't care what they say to people. I mean, it doesn't matter. But why would you, why would you even bring that up then to a guy? Guy signing a huge contract if it didn't matter because stability matters to players. They would like to feel like it's stable. It doesn't mean it has to be true. Well, the Russell Westbrook, I think this matters more that, than stability. That mattered, but same. I I disagree. But I think at the end of the day, like you can say whatever you want. Words are just words. If he's not the right fit for the team, and you're the owner, and you're or you're the GM, and you're moving forward and being like, is this where we can win? Honestly, your team. You see a lack of motivation in your players and your star players who you've traded, you know, your future away for. It makes you concerned that your coach isn't coaching. Mm -hmm. He's not the right guy. He's not the motivator. He might be a good coach, but he's not the right fit. And I think that's what we run into a lot. 
we call these coaches bums and we say they've got no they've got no right to coach these yeah. teams and at the same time i go you know what he'd probably be a really good coach with this set of players and i just don't think his fit is meant he's not meant to coach three superstars it's not lebron mm-hmm. david blatt bad yeah but it's similar do you think who do you think has that mindset of being able to take over that oklahoma city team though what i mean would it not be a guy Stan like, van gundy would it be would it i don't be a guy think like there's Bud? a coach out there so you don't think you think that basically right boils now, down to right Russell now, Westbrook's uncoachable? Ex- well, I'm I'm not going all the way with that, but it's pretty damn close. Like to me, I feel really? like I feel I, like I've you, seen you've seen parts where where, where, like where Russell guys, Westbrook. Though. Where Russell Westbrook has shown at times where he's fine buying into a system. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's just when the coach is weak and not showing that that authority I'm of, on of the, being strong. I'm on the side of it where I feel like. You guys are on the di- you guys are picking the wrong thing here. Where yeah, Melo might be a problem, but after one more year, he's off the books. You never have to worry about him again. Then you got the Paul George thing. He'll be off the books, and he's not coming back. Kind of a thing. Yeah, I think that it's nobody's going to want to come to OKC. You've already proven that this big three doesn't work and won't work. It'll get you to the playoffs, but it won't win your championship barely. And you can't even beat Don Mitch. And, like, that to me was the biggest thing in this whole season that blew my mind was, yeah, it's a microcosm, but you got Ricky Rubio goes off and he blows up. And you've got Russell Westbrook after a game saying, I'm going to shut that shit down. And you've got a rookie on the other side. I ain't touching it. And Mm -hmm. being like, the way they interacted, I was like, if you would have... If I would have came in and showed someone who's never known basketball and I said, pick out the one who you think is the veteran and who's the rookie, I bet you the guy would have said or the girl would have said, you know, Russ is the rookie and Don Mitch is the veteran. Like when a rookie is being more veteran-like than you, that's a problem. And I think that's where Russ's problem is where, yeah, he's a phenomenal player, but is his attitude right for this Thunder team? And will he be able to win with that attitude in OKC? No. So if I'm Sam Presti, try to get the most that I can out of Russ now before it's too late. Look at the coaches on those teams. Oh, they're Again, not, I'm not Brad, saying that Donovan they're, Mitchell isn't a they're not super mature. Brad Stevens like head coaches. No, I'm not, not, I, I disagree there. Quinn Snyder is close no, 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 to no, no. a I'm, top five I'm talking coach. about Scotty Brooks and... Um, oh, Billy no, Donovan. I'm talking, I'm talking Donovan Mitchell's players. coaches compared yeah. to Russell Westbrook's coach. Quinn Snyder, we have talked about his mentality mm-hmm. being that of a serial killer. Mm-hmm. Quinn Snyder looks like it looks like Patrick Bates, just like budget <laughs> from from uh, what, what's that movie? American, uh, what, not American. Psycho. I get what you're saying. American Psycho. Yeah, I get what um, you're saying. He, he looks he, like he has that mentality of yeah. he's not going to take shit from anybody. So where intense. Billy Donovan looks mm-hmm. lost out there. Like he looks like oh, we're at a basketball game. Nice. Oh, I oh just, we're coaching. Oh, geez. I feel like, like the, I feel like the Thunder are at a spot where right now, well, either this year or next year, they have to decide: do we ride with Russell Westbrook? Probably never win a title with him because that's how I feel. That's not yeah. what will really happen. I don't but think that's how I feel. Or do we try to get the most out of him now and just boom I, go for a rebound? I think Russell Westbrook will be similar to what Kobe was to LA. It didn't matter that he was old and aging. They signed Kobe Without because that was titles. Kobe. Because, okay, I'm yeah. not saying, uh, fucking, you're so boiled down by titles. I'm just talking strictly about the last mm-hmm. contract that Kobe signed. Yeah. That handicapped Los Angeles, mm-hmm. but it didn't matter because of what Kobe meant to LA and what he did for the Lakers. I think Russell Westbrook is similar to what 
what Kobe was in OKC because of what he's done for that OKC team. Kevin Durant leaves, Russell Westbrook's loyal. He mm-hmm. is the face of Oklahoma City. He will be the first jersey, most likely, retired yeah. by Oklahoma City for what he's done, staying loyal to Oklahoma City, winning games, and being consistently a part of a good team for the latter half of the past eight, nine years, being the first guy to average a triple-double since since for, Oscar. For two years. Being an MVP. For two years as well. Uh, uh, being an MVP. Russ means so much to OKC, mm-hmm. yeah. and I think that's the reason why you can't go away from him. However, let's get into the fun part. Uh, you guys come up with any trades I did. For, for Russell Westbrook? I did. And the one thing before I mention this trade, because yeah. it's kind of off the wall, that I do want to mention about what you just said. Mm-hmm. I do I do like the comparison because it is very much the same. The thing is where the titles do come into it because they do. It's easier for a team like the Lakers to do that because the pedigree that Kobe had overall. Not only... Was he the guy that had all the stats and stuff? But he had the titles to back it up. Russell Westbrook doesn't have that. I know that. Well, right. yeah. The other thing and is, Kobe was out of his prime at that point. Mm-hmm. You have Russ in his prime. Thank you. So that makes a whole different situation where his value to the team is higher. But also, even when Russ is out of his prime, yeah, he's still putting up these yeah. numbers. I still see Oklahoma City committing. Yep. To him because no, of what he's done I over the past exactly years. That, that's that. just what I'm saying. I'm not saying, yeah. oh, because because uh, Kobe and Russ have the same background. No, yeah. I'm just saying it's strictly oh, what they mean to they the also cities. Had, they, they had similar dips. I don't want to say they're mm-hmm. exactly the same because I know that's not where you're going, but I'm still going to drive <laughs> point anyway with it, is they both had dips. They went from young in their career, competing for championships, mm-hmm. not successful on Russ end, but still competing for championships. And some say Kobe dip. got carried by Shaq. Yeah, but then he had the dip in his career mm-hmm. where, you know, statistically he excelled. He became a better player, but he wasn't able to succeed until Paul Gasol was added, until they added Ron Artest, until they built the rest of that team around him. He, Derek Fisher, Lamar Odom, mm-hmm. that next generation of Lakers to compete for championships. And I think that's what we're seeing right now with Russ is they're trying to find the right guys to pair around him mm-hmm. to compete again. I don't think they've quite hit it across the board, but I think you know Steven Adams is the right guy there because what he and Russ can do is is just amazing between mm-hmm. the two of them. I don't know. Paul George would be amazing if you could get him locked in again. Mm-hmm. I guarantee you Carmelo's not long-term, but I think that's what you're seeing. You're seeing them try to roll through the the available players and see who you can staple onto this team to make them better. Major- maturity is the word. That's the word of the day. Because go back to a quote that you said about LeBron. Yep. He was just playing basketball in Cleveland. Yes, sir. Then in Miami, he matured in Miami. Kobe threw that dip matured and was like, hey, this is what I need to do to win a championship without Shaq. I'm not sure Russ is going to make that. I could be wrong. I would love to be wrong, but I don't think Russ can get that mature itty. Let's get into the trade. Here's the trade. We're we're closing in on 30. This ain't going to (laughs) work, I don't think, because of the... I don't think this team has enough draft picks because one of them's going to Philly, but here's... Throw in whatever draft picks you want. To Phoenix. No, no. To Phoenix, I meant. So here's the trade. I was trying to figure out what teams could use Russ and wouldn't be completely handicapped. I came up with the Bucks, Russell Westbrook for Bledsoe, Henson, and Snell, and then any picks you want to throw in there mm. going to OKC. I don't like that. Well, it's and that's the thing. You've got to give up players to get that contract it's going to be 35 mil next year. The whole point is Giannis can't shoot. So now you're just taking away arguably your best player in Giannis because Giannis does more work 
with a ball in his hand. Or, you know, Russ is going to have to do great with Giannis coming off screens. I, I mean, that, that's going to be a weird pairing. Well, I thought about it, but I, unless, I don't know if that pairing will work. Unless, and this is one I thought about, but I don't think it'll happen. One topic that you had mentioned when you were beginning of the week throwing stuff out, you had mentioned the Blazers. Do they blow it up? Yeah. Do the Blazers and the Thunder make a... Now, the Thunder would be getting a lot more than this, but the deal it would be revolved around a Westbrook-Dame swap. So then Westbrook then plays with C.J. McCollum, and the Thunder get draft picks, young players, and Dame from the Trailblazers. I think the Trailblazers win that, though, because, again, I mean, Dame, I don't think there's that much of a separation between mm-hmm. Dame and Russ. I, I think, I think What they do is different. What they do heavily, is different. But so I don't know how that would impact that offense because they already cram the paint pretty heavily. Mm-hmm. So Dame's spacing, I think, is critical. I don't know. I think it could work. I just, I'd be worried about spacing. The, well, up- the one thing is, is like, I, I think that Oklahoma would be getting the steal there, and Portland would be getting screwed. Oh, okay. Because I think again, Ross is a One better player, be- but I don't think it's drastically too different. They they do different things, but at least what they bring to the mm-hmm. floor, they still bring that killer mentality. They still bring that number one mentality. And again, if we're talking about people who make their 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 teammates better, I mean, Dame does a great job of that. Yeah. So you're, you're bringing out the best in possibly Carmelo Anthony if Paul George mm-hmm. some, somehow stays the best in Paul George, the best in Stephen Adams, the best in Andre Robinson. I'm not saying that, again, Russ can't do that. Russ hasn't done that. Mm-hmm. I just think that Russ would be better off with more of a Dwight Howard situation where Dwight was put in the right system and players around him rather than going into playing next to, again, a guy like C.J. McCollum and going in. I just I don't know how that fits. The only work. other situation I can see, and yeah. you're going to hate this because of who the coach is, but what if, like— and we can have this discussion another day, who the Wizards get rid of if they get rid of Beal or Wall. But if yeah. Wall's the guy, a trade around that because, you know, Russell Westbrook, Scotty Brooks, Scotty Brooks knows how to use him. I'll use air quotes for Sean. But then I can feel they? like Westbrook teaming up with Bradley Beal and you kind of separate the alpha dogs. But then are you adding just a different alpha dog? If anything, Westbrook? Wes is, 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 I hate using the word more alpha. <laughs> Than uh, John Wall, but yeah, that that's the thing. He's pure alpha. He's pure alpha. Uh, my my ridiculous <laughs> not going to happen trade yeah. is uh, the Suns actually going Brandon Knight, TJ hmm. Warren, Marquise Chris, and a handful of picks because they've got them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you might as well use them to add Russ. So you can pair Russ plus Dev Book plus Josh Jackson plus your... Are you trading this year's pick? You'd have to to get Russ. So you're tra- if you're doing oh, this. Are you trading the 16 or the, the your own pick? You, you might have to do your own and that deal. Oof. Would you do that? If they don't get the one, hell yeah. If they, if they don't, get, don't the one, get the one. They don't Ricky, get the one. You, Ricky, because they're the guy Suns. I would. If I don't get the number one pick, I would for Phoenix. And then I got like, Russ for five years, right? Especially, five, six years. especially if Igor wants Luca that bad and they don't get Luca, hell yeah, I'll take Russell Westbrook as my consolation. Prize. I don't know. I mean, that that's going to accelerate that timeline. But Russell Westbrook, Devin Booker, Josh Jackson. Mm-hmm. But Russ can still run with. Um, Oh, what's his face at the four? Bender. Bender at the four. Dragon Bender, and the dragon. You still have Tyson at the five. Like That team would be fun as hell to watch. But the one thing is, again, about the coaching situation, and I just wonder how Igor would work with a guy like Russell Westbrook. I think you're setting, you're possibly setting up Igor oh. Kokoshkov for— That Coco guy. Uh, for, for some, He's cuckoo for Coco. For, He's for, cuckoo. Some, <laughs> for, some, for a rough start. In, Entirely in possible. I so, mean, it, it sets I expectations out, out of the ceiling because it's the roof. But at the same time, you get a chance at locking. You get a pre-locked down Russell Westbrook. 
Mm-hmm. You have him under contract. There's no chance he can escape Phoenix. I mean, it's true. no offense, Phoenix, but like you're not exactly pulling in the uh, free agents. I know it hasn't been your plan, but still. Point being, TJ Warren, good, not great player. Marquise Chris, young, tons of potential, great for the Suns. Brandon Knight could be worth something, could not. I mean, he he's still young enough. So I think OKC gets something out of it, plus a top pick in this draft, plus probably a pick next year. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. I'm just saying, you know. Yeah, possibly one more if you're done. Yeah, I'm good. Uh, didn't work. But here, here's the here's what I'm trying to base it around. Oh, Jesus, who's got two picks in the first round? Lots of teams. The Clippers. Okay. What if the Clippers Great. trade both their picks, Danilo, Tobias, someone else, and picks for Russell Westbrook? No. And they add I, again, Westbrook I to that Clipper I, I team. Don't think the Clipper because the Clipper That's you're getting rid of the Clipper West. team. Mm-hmm. You're getting rid of the, the, the best, outside of Lou Will. You're getting rid of the best Clipper. The, the, the I was part of say, the Clippers. You still have Lou Will. You have Pat. Bev, Pat and Bev. you got Milos. I, 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 again, I don't think still people should be looking DeAndre at the Clippers as, as trade Maybe. bait. I, again, they have I'm people. I'm not saying trade bait, but a trade to push them I, over the mark. I don't think they... But they give me them over their the wings. I, I, again, I, the whole thing... They about no wings. The, so many wings. You they get, have no wings. You're getting rid of players that Russ would play with. Like I think, yeah. I think mm-hmm. Russ with Toby would be great. I think Russ with Lou Will would be very interesting. Unless you do a... I don't know. Unless you do, hey, DeAndre Jordan wants out. Hey, we'll trade. We'll, Sign and trade. We'll, no, opt in and we'll trade you. Opt into your contract because DeAndre Jordan's got the opt in, and yep. then DeAndre Russell Westbrook. But, I don't know. But really, with Stephen Adams, the Thunder wouldn't do that. Right. I don't know. I got two. Um, here are the two that I have. Uh, I'm not sending him to the Western Conference. Sorry, not happening. <laughs> and I'm right. looking for strong coaches. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm looking at a guys that have come from the pop tree or have proven that they can coach stars. Um, and I'm also looking at teams that need to move some players mm-hmm. and also need some help. So I'm looking at places that would work with Russell Westbrook. The first one, we talked about the Kobe versus uh, Russ comparison. Mm-hmm. Who just brought in Mitch Kupchak? to be the GM yeah. and Charlotte Hornets. And looking to get rid of their point guards. We're, we're talking about not only looking to get rid of your point guards, but they can also unload a bad contract. Mm-hmm. Nick Batum, Kemba Walker for Russell Westbrook, God, and Pat Patterson, that. and also including the 10th, over, the 10th overall pick. Because James Borrego, who they just hired, comes from that pop tree, has been working with the San Antonio Spurs, has hopefully the, the right mentality to work with them, and, hey, who's your owner? Michael Jordan. That could cool. hopefully knock some sense into Russell Westbrook. He played in 1v1, Mid- put him in his place. Mitch Kupchak, <laughs> again. Exactly. Mitch Kupchak has worked with the Lakers, has worked with Shaq, has worked with Kobe, has worked with Phil Jackson, has worked with the Lakers before. Not too bad, Could Sean. be a nice uh, fit bad. there. I also, Charlotte like unloads the, the Nick Batum contract, and they also get a point guard who can play for them in Kemba Walker. Mm-hmm. Just comes down to uh, will you be able to resign him after this year? But that's why you throw on that tenth pick. Yep. Then you got Kemba, you got Moist Monk, you got Pat Patterson going over there. You have uh, Marvin Williams still staying there. You have Cody Zeller there. Um, that could be a very interesting fit. And the final one, you need a guy who can coach stars. Which team is lacking stars right now, but has some interesting pieces? The Miami Heat. Ooh. Russell Westbrook for Goran Dragic. And Tyler Johnson. Dragic. And, dragage get. And Bam Adebayo, because they don't have a pick. Maybe some future picks are slapped down to that. But it's, uh, it's Goron, Tyler Johnson, and Bam Adebayo uh, for Russell Westbrook. You got Spull, who's proven to coach uh, stars before. Um, I think that could be a, an interesting fit, because not only do you get Pat Riley to knock some sense into uh, Russ Westbrook, you have Eric Spolscher, who does that as well. And you have some nice pieces around him. Josh Richardson. Mm-hmm. You have Hassan Whiteside, who maybe Hassan Whiteside isn't the problem. You just need a guy who can get Hassan Whiteside to want to play, 
You get Russell Westbrook. Russell Westbrook, with his intensity, Hype. could bring that in. Um, you still have Justice Winslow, who mm-hmm. could possibly be a nice piece uh, there as well. You get rid of Tyler Johnson and Goron. Uh, you also have James Johnson there. There are still some nice pieces. And you finally get a star um, in, in, in Miami uh, and not an old-aged 36-year-old Dwayne Wade. I Stop. know you saying Igor's last name was you kind of throwing it in there that you learned it, K- but I feel like Kukushkov. I feel like that last trade Kukushkov. you shoehorn that in there just because you wanted to say Dragic one more time. No, they just got a point guard. That's the yeah. reason why it but just happened. I feel like you wanted to prove those commenters wrong that you can say those it. were the two trades I came up with. What do you think is most likely that we threw out there? I really like the Hornets one. I, I could see the Hornets one coming close, but I think none are likely. Well, none are likely, but out of the ones we threw out there, I like the Hornets. Give me one. a percentage chance that Russell Westbrook's not the Thunder. Uh, I'm going to say 10%. There's always a chance. There's always mm-hmm. a chance. About negative 14. All right. About a negative 14 there. Uh, I'll give it a 1% because I'll at least keep it in the, 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 the realm of possibility. possibility. Right. Um, but I don't think it's going to happen at all. Uh, let us know if you think it's going to happen uh, down in the comments below. It, it, for an idea that we didn't think is going to happen, we talked well over 36 minutes about Russell Trey Westbrook. talks amazing, um, man. And, and again, it's still interesting because the, the, like the Thunder still need a, the thunder. <laughs> yeah, the, the thunder need a kick in the ass. Which so, uh, some we'll could say is, I do is that it's Russell Westbrook. But anyways, uh, those were our thoughts on the Thunder. Those were our thoughts on the Western and Eastern Conference. Finals, and those were also our wet boys of the week. If really you good have podcast this week, oh, I really I liked it. Had a fun time. Uh, if you had a fun time as well, don't forget to rate us a five stars on iTunes. Not only the Fast Break, but the Onside Kick, the Primetime Podcast, the Rick and Johnny Podcast, and the Onside Kick. Also, if you're on YouTube, please check out the Outcast. They just interviewed Danny Parkins from 670 Score. So if you're Bulls, Bears, White Sox, or Cubs fans, they go over that. They're also recording a same podcast the same night as we are here on Thursday. So we're excited to see what their new topics are. Um, also, don't forget to subscribe. We're over 11,000. Thank you guys so much. We love you. Smooches, smooches. Uh, also, don't forget to check out the live lotto that we did in Mock Draft. We we'll also have uh, Tons of fun. a lotto mock coming out the day after the uh, the the actual lottery uh, we're, we're going to be recording Wednesday of that day so uh, come back to uh, either Blog Talk Radio iTunes or uh, on our YouTube channel for that um, finally check out patreon.com slash podcast we're going to have Jake on later this month he's always on our podcast we love that boy he's going to be uh, need to recover he, he a little bit he might be a too. wet boy next year uh, Jake Jake might be a wet boy next year uh, he's also going to probably be uh, recovered uh, hopefully after the uh, 76ers playoff loss um, after that and uh, finally, check out mostofpodcast.com if you want to rep Dave Shrip that you cannot see um, right now because the camera's been off. But anyways, for Dave Oster, for Ricky Wimmer, I'm Sean Anderson. We'll see you next time. Thank you for listening to this MVP podcast. Follow us on Twitter at Most Valuable Pod for more great podcasts.